This is Football Nation. Todd DeVries and Bill Enright bring you the latest trends from the NFL. Headlines, stats, fantasy previews, and more right here on Football Nation. All right, hello everybody and welcome to Football Nation. I'm Bill Enright and my partner in crime is Todd DeVries. What's going on, Todd? Not much, my friend. The preseason in the NFL kicks off tonight with six barn burners, Bill. Oh, yeah. You Can't up? wait for the preseason action. <laughs> I sense a little bit of sarcasm there. But seriously, it's good to see <laughs> some games on the television, right? Absolutely. No, it's always good when football is being played. We get to watch it. We get to enjoy it. And, you know, even though if the starters aren't in, we get to see some of the rookies and the free agents and the guys that are fighting to make the roster. Yep. And it's just a sign that we're only a few weeks away from the good stuff. The real That's stuff. Right. That's right. off of the real season. Let's give a quick shout-out to our producer, Josh, who's making it happen behind the scenes. How's it going, Josh? Oh, it's going good. Also want to mention our awesome partners over at DraftKings.com. You can win real cash money playing fantasy football over, DraftKings. over at DraftKings.com. And, Todd, today, you know, is the first episode of Football Nation. We do it all here, NFL, college football, fantasy football. If it has to do with football, you'll hear it right here on this show. That's right. We have two shows that air live on the Football Nation radio network. The Tuesday show, which we had our premiere on Tuesday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. That is all fantasy football, ffchamps.com. And then today, we kind of take a non-fantasy approach and cover the entire landscape NFL and college. So looking forward to it. And you, you mentioned that we do fantasy, we do college, we do the NFL. But what's also great about this show is – we're very interactive with the audience. So if you want to give us a call, the number is 855-478-7030. Again, 855-478-7030. And you can also email us, radio at footballnation.com, or hit us up on Twitter, FBallNation. You can follow Todd at CFF Geek. I'm at Bill Enright. And uh, that's how we kind of uh, interact with the audience. Todd, a lot of ways that you can get in touch with us. You're a Twitter maniac, by the way. I love it. Yeah, you're by like, far my favorite social media outlet. Yeah, you, you're you're on the ball with that. There's no doubt about it. Thank you. <laughs> As are you. No, well, thank you very much, my friend. So, what do we got, buddy? We we got five shows here in the preseason before the season starts. Correct. That's Truly right. Starts right. So, what do we have in store for the next month? Because we can't cover everything in the first show. We want to kind of bide our time, let the preseason play out in the NFL, see what's going on in the fall camps in college before we get to some predictions and stuff. So, what, what do we have in store for the next month? Right. So, you mentioned that we have five shows all leading up to this uh, week one of the NFL and week one of college football. You know, we're going to be doing some predictions, some team by team kind of outlooks on the whole season. Uh, we want, we're going to go over division winners, make Super Bowl predictions, talk about the college uh, uh, BCS system and who's going to you know, uh, make it to those big-time bowl games. Uh, a, a lot of big differences this year in the college football uh, bowl landscape, right? No, not yet. Next year's next year. 2014. Is, that's okay. going to be the massive change. So there's just a little bit of – there's a lot of realignment going on this year in the conferences, and there's some new bowl uh, affiliations. But the big monster change, the Final Four format, won't be this year. It'll be next. This will be the last year of the BS – I'm sorry, BCS. BCS. See how I said that, Bill? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Got it. <laughs> but anyway, we'll do predictions. We'll do analysis all over in the coming weeks. But what we have planned for today is we're going to get everyone caught up on – you know, the offseason in the NFL, in college football, 
very busy. So if it happened after the Super Bowl, the day after the Super Bowl, all the way up until this morning at training camp, the free agent moves, the coaching changes, uh, our experience at the NFL draft, both of us were live at, at Radio City that last weekend of April. Uh, we'll talk about some of the injuries that we've seen in training camp, plus the AP poll, uh, the USA Today coaches poll for college football. We'll go over our top ten. Johnny Manziel is making headlines. What else is new? Ugh. Johnny football. The guy can't stay out of the headlines for one single week, Bill. He's been all over the place this, this offseason, everywhere. He certainly has. We'll, we'll talk about him. We'll also bring on Mike Calabrese from collegefootballgeek.com and footballnation.com. And our other special guest of the day is going to be Kerry Byrne from Cold Hard Football Facts. We'll talk some NFL with him. Yeah, and Kerry had an interesting piece this week, which we're going to talk about, about the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City's kind of that, that hot name, that hot sleeper team in the NFL right now. Yes. And I have a feeling Kerry's going to say, not so fast, my friend. Well, what do you say that we start off the show with the 10 biggest free agent moves from the 2013 season? A lot of, you know, same same faces, but they're in new places. We're going to start off with – Yeah, yeah go run, on. Run, how about this, Bill? Run down the list of the 10 – Okay. And then we'll go through and, and dissect a few of them. That sounds good. Okay. All right. I'm going to start it off with Wes Welker going to the Denver Broncos. we got some wide receivers to start, start the action here. Wes Welker went to the Denver Broncos. Danny Amendola is now a New England Patriot. Mike Wallace left the Steelers, now part of the Miami Dolphins. Greg Jennings goes from the Green Bay Packers to the division rivals, Minnesota Vikings. And then you look at the big quarterback signing or a trade, Free agent or Alex Smith goes from the San Francisco 49ers after he was benched from Colin Kaepernick. He goes on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Some running backs in new places. Reggie Bush leaves the Miami Dolphins, goes to the Detroit Lions. And then how about Steven Jackson leaves the St. Louis Rams and goes to one of the Super Bowl favorite Atlanta Falcons. Now those are the offensive signings. How about some defensive guys? You got James Harrison leaves the Pittsburgh Steelers, stays in the AFC North, goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw him on Hard Knocks. Ed Reed wins the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, still leaves the uh, Baltimore, goes to the Houston Texans. And then how about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, solidifying that secondary? They uh, got Darrell Revis from the New York Jets, and they also got uh, Deshaun Golston from the San Francisco 49ers. So the Bucks are making some improvements uh, this offseason as well via free agency. Pretty interesting list, Bill. I, I will argue that it's not the sexiest list in comparison to some other seasons when you mm-hmm. had, you know, for example, Peyton Manning going to the Broncos right. the last offseason. I don't see that ridiculously huge monster name on this list that we've seen in the past. I guess you could make the argument maybe Wes Welker only because he's going from one AFC power to another, yep. but uh, you know this this list doesn't do a whole lot for me. Who do you think is the biggest free agent move from this list? Who's the who's the one that's going to have the biggest impact on their new team? You, you always have to start off with the quarterback. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs had Matt Castle last year or the, or the past few seasons. He never really got it done. They, they were two and fourteen last year. I think Alex Smith is probably going to have the biggest impact out of all these free agents, but. I don't want to underestimate what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did to to really um, strengthen their secondary. Darrell Revis, I mean, he was considered one of the best cornerbacks in the league before his ACL injury. And the Sean Golston is a very underrated safety. I think the Bucks made some uh, a very a lot of impactful moves that are that are kind of flying under the radar. 
Well, a lot of it might depend on Revis's uh, injury situation, correct? Sure does. You know, so that's kind of the reason I think that one's slightly under the radar in comparison to some of these other these other offensive skill position players. I mean, it's kind of a damaged goods type of thing. I remember when that news broke, the Buccaneers got him, and I was kind of thinking, hmm, I wonder what their doctors found or didn't find, you know, when they uh, worked him out. So it, I agree with you, man. If if that if he holds up, that is a stellar move for the Bucks. The Bucks, who, man, if they can just have Josh Freeman step into his own this year. He's kind of a make-or-break year for Josh Freeman. He's kind of the key. But sure if he is. can step it up and just be above average, watch out for the Bucks next couple of years. Now, Todd, we want to hear from the fans here. Uh, give us a call. Let us know which free agent. Maybe he got paid too much. Maybe you think he's not worth the money or the contract that he got. Or let us know who you think is going to have the biggest impact uh, and let us know if we left anyone out. Maybe you think O.C. Minura to the Falcons is it should be in this top ten, or Dwight Freeney to the San Diego Chargers. Uh, give us a call, 855-478-7030. Hit us up on Twitter, FBallNation, and let us know what you think about this free agency list. Todd, let's go back to Wes Welker-Danny Amendola situation for a minute. Okay. Wes Welker goes from playing with Tom Brady, catching 118, 115 yard, uh, passes a, a year, 1,500, 1,400 yards. He leaves New England Patriots, and he goes to the Denver Broncos, where now he'll be playing with Peyton Manning. Can you think of a better situation for a guy like Wes Welker? You go from the best quarterback in the NFL to the other best quarterback in the NFL. It can't get much better if you're Wes Welker. And the way that this all went down was kind of odd. Don't you agree? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know – when a player leaves for another team, it's because he's getting significantly more money from that other team. Wasn't the case think, here. Oh, that wasn't the case at all. I mean, two-year, nope. twelve million dollar deal uh, with Denver. That I'm pretty sure the Patriots could have afforded that. So I, I really, you know, I really kind of wonder what the heck was going on. There's definitely something going on behind the scenes. And if you've been watching the uh, the headlines the last couple of days, Bill, what's Walker's uh, chirping a little bit about Bill Belichick? So maybe there's a little more to this than meets the eye. He said that uh, he's still very conscious of talking to the media only because he's scared of of what Bill Belichick w- would say a- a- after uh, his interviews. <laughs> so, well, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Now he has to worry no. about Peyton Manning. Right. right? Peyton Manning's going to tell him to shut up if he, if he gets a little too mouthy. Um, again, questionable move here for Wes Walker. Let's talk about two things. Let's first talk about his impact on the Broncos. I mean, they already sure. have Demarius Thomas. They already had a very productive guy in Eric Decker. Uh, where do you see Walker fitting into the mix here? Listen, I think Walker is going to make that that offense even more dynamic. It wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if the Denver Broncos lead the NFL in scoring, lead the NFL in passing. Uh, I think Peyton can have 40 touchdowns this year, and I think maybe 4,500, 4,800, maybe 5,000 yards, certainly in the realm of possibility. And here's the thing. You mentioned Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker. Now they have Wes Welker. I'd say about 85 to maybe 90% of Peyton Manning's production this year is going to come from those three wide receivers. You don't have to worry about a tight end. Nope. I'm not really crazy about any of the running backs, Ronnie Hillman or, or Monte Ball, kind of having a big impact in the, in the passing game. It's just going to be those three guys. And Peyton is going to check down to Welker. He's going to throw it deep to Demarius Thomas. And Eric Decker is still going to get plenty of action, too. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, the, the Broncos already had that formidable one-two punch right. receiving tandem. And to add a third guy to the mix who, who's 
you call him a third guy. He's more than that. So yeah, I agree with you, man. It's, it's setting up to be uh, an aerial, um, you know, just a, an incredible aerial show out there in Mile High Stadium this year. Now, the other side of the coin is Danny Amendola coming to the Patriots to try to fill in the shoes of Wes Welker. And, of course, there's a lot of similarities just from the body type, although Amendola's a little bit bigger than Wes Welker. They both went to Texas Tech, Bill, where they yep. caught a million passes yep. in the air raid offense. You know, do you think he can step in, stay healthy, and, you know, produce – you're not gonna, he's not going to catch 118 balls like Wes Welker, I don't think. But can he produce 80, 90 catches in that offense, or is that asking too much? I think it's, it's certainly what the Patriots have planned. I, I don't think they would have gotten a player that is so similar in physicality and speed, you know, and skill set to Wes Welker as Danny Amendola. It's, it, it's, it's almost like they're a clone. But you said it, he has to stay healthy, and that's something he hasn't been able to do during his NFL career when we're seeing with the Rams. He caught 85 passes uh, two or three years ago, and that, that was his best season. But you mentioned that you know coming into the Tom Brady kind of offense with the Patriots, you look at who the Patriots have, they lost a lot more people than just Wes Welker. So Amendola is certainly going to be heavily involved in that offense. I think 100 receptions is what they have planned for him. Well, they, they paid him. Going back to the salary, if you want to take that angle, again, yeah. Wes Welker got two years, $12 million from the Broncos. Emendola, five years, $28 million from the Patriots. Now, I suck at math, but break that down for me. It sounds like Wes Welker got six year, $6 million a year. What did Emendola get per uh, year? Five and a half. Five and a half. All right. Over five years. Now, of course, he's younger right. than Walker, but still, um, you could make the argument those are similar contracts, kind of, right? Right. Yeah, sure. And uh, I don't know. It's just there's something fishy going on. I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of it. If you, even if you remember Tom Brady, when Walker first left, you know, he wasn't too happy. He was upset. Yeah. Sure. And then he tried to smooth it over, and now there was other reports this a week ago that he's upset with his receivers again. So, who knows? <laughs> Well, you said that Wes Welker kind of had some negative things to say about Bill Belichick. What about Greg Jennings saying that the Packers brainwashed him when he was in Green Bay to make him believe that Aaron Rodgers was the best player in the NFL? What's up with Greg Jennings taking shots at his former quarterback? I don't get it. What's the What's the point? He's going you know, to Christian Ponder, for God's sakes. Yeah, You know, he's going to very <laughs> quickly realize just how good Aaron Rodgers was. I mean, what is he doing? I don't understand it. What is up with these wide receivers, by the way? Oh, Why are they always divas. in the news saying dumb things? They're all divas. Every year. Yep. Over Every and over. Year. I know, love it, though. It's entertainment. Fun. Entertainment you, for me. I know you love it. <laughs> I mean, we, we're missing Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, out of the league, finally. Finally, yep. they're out of the news, and you got these other guys stepping up, saying some dumb things in their place. So I don't get the Greg Jennings thing. I think he needs to shut up. And play, and uh, I don't expect big things out of Greg Jennings in that offense. Sorry, I know they lost Percy Harvin, Christian Ponder, man. That's all you got to say. Those two words. I don't, I'm not a believer in that guy. All right, let's look at the running backs quickly. Reggie Bush went from the Miami Dolphins to the Detroit Lions, and good fit. Steven, Steven, you think that's a good fit, right? Good fit. I do too. Steven Jackson took the place of Michael Turner for the Atlanta Falcons. Which of these two running backs will have more success the first year with their new team? Reggie Bush is a good fit in Detroit. Steven Jackson's a great fit in Atlanta. You know, you think both? Yeah, I, I like I, them both. I agree with you. I think I Steven like Jackson will have more success. He's on a better team. He'll be asked to do 
Eh, I don't want to say he's be, he'll be asked to do less, but they've got so many weapons there. Yep. Um, I think he's an upgrade at the, at the running back position. He's got a year or two left before you know he probably really starts to decline. Um, I think he's going to be rejuvenated this season. He'll be fired up to play for a good team for the first time in his career, right? Yep, yep. And I think I think uh, S. Jacks will have a good season, a really good season. All right, so those were the same faces, new places. We just discussed the top ten free agents. How about some of the same faces, new places for the coaches? A lot of head coaches, eight of them are now or were fired in the offseason, and we have eight new head coaches taking their place. Uh, we're going to discuss some of the most interesting ones, but first let's run down the list, Todd. Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid's out, Chip Kelly's in. Arizona Cardinals, Ken Wisenhunt's gone. Bruce Arians uh, leaves the Indianapolis Colts, goes to the Cards. The Jacksonville Jaguars fired Mike Malarkey. They hired Gus Bradley. Pat Shermer is out with the Cleveland Browns. They hired Rob Chudzinski. He brought in Nerf Turner to take over the offensive uh, coordinator duties. The Chicago Bears, surprisingly, this was a big surprise to me, fired Lovey Smith. They hired Mark Tressman, who was recently a head coach in the Canadian Football League. The Buffalo Bills got rid of old man Chan Gailey. They hired Doug Marone, who came over from the Syracuse uh, University program. The San Diego Chargers, I mentioned North Turner is now the OC over there in Cleveland. They hired Mike McCoy, who was the offensive coordinator in that division with the Denver Broncos. And then finally, the Chiefs, 2-14 and 14 last year, they canned Romeo Cornell. They hired Andy Reid. Hmm. Yep. A lot of interesting moves in the coaching. Eight of them, Todd. You know, I don't know about uh, in the past years, but I think eight out of the 32 NFL teams, eight of them have new head coaches. Seems like a lot to me. Yeah, I think that's par for the course, man. I haven't gone back and compared to other years either, but, uh, you know, 25% turnover, it sounds about yeah. right in this day and age. I mean, that's you crazy. Know, these teams, they, they're trying to find that next guy. Now, so you got eight, you got eight of these guys, okay? Right. Who do you think has the toughest rebuild project on his hands? You have to start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars, only because I think the other teams have competent, capable quarterbacks. Maybe not the Buffalo Bills just yet, but we'll see what E.J. Manuel turns out to be. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, they invested that first-round pick in Blaine Gabbert two years ago. They have Chad Henney. You know, I think their defense is a little suspect, and I know um, uh, Gus Bradley's a defensive guy, so maybe he can sure up or solidify what's going on there in Jacksonville. But they're in that tough division in the AFC South with the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Even the Tennessee Titans, are, bo- are all, all three of them are ahead of the Jaguars. I think Bradley has, has the toughest job to do. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you there out of these eight. I mean, there's just no juice in Jacksonville. At yeah. all for the team. Right. So from a PR standpoint, no juice. You got no quarterback. You got an aging running back who is in a contract year, so he might give you a burst this year, MJD. But right, you know, how many more years do you get out of him? And then what else do you have? Exactly. Much. I mean, you exactly. were two and fourteen last year. <laughs> you know, not a lot to 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 build on there. So he's got a tough job. I mean, they gave up four hundred and forty four points last year, Bill. Yeah, that was which a was, lot. I believe third worst in the entire NFL. Yeah, your son's high school team could have scored against them. I think so. I think so. So I agree with you on that one. Now, flipping it around, who's going to be the most successful in year one? Now, my vote is going to be, if you're going to go from a kind of a plus-minus wins and losses standpoint Mm -hmm. from last year to this year, I'm going to hop on the Chiefs bandwagon and say that they win. They were 2-14 and last year. I think Andy Reid can get them to be 6-10 and this year in a rebuilding mode. What do you think? I agree with that. Uh, I think both of us respect Andy Reid as a head coach in the NFL, and, you know, his, his days were done in Philadelphia, and that's why he got fired. 
but I think the Chiefs have the right pieces in place. I like their secondary. I like their defense with Tom Ali and uh, Brandon Flowers and Eric Berry. One of my favorite players in the NFL is Jamal Charles. I think he's a stud at running back. Andy Reid is really going to uh, use him to his full potential. And then they have a quarterback that is a proven winner in Alex Smith. So they didn't have to invest that first overall pick they had this year in finding a quarterback. They already had one with Alex Smith. Instead, they go out and get Eric Fisher to help strengthen that offensive line. Good move by them. And I know we're going to have Kerry Byrne on in just a little bit to talk about the Chiefs, but I'm with you, Todd. I think they make a big turnaround in year one under Andy Reid. Well, again, define big turnaround. I'm, I'm saying from 2-14 well, and 14 right. to 6 They won two games last year. So even if they win 8 or 7, I mean, that's a plus 5, plus 6 in the in the win column. Right. I mean, they, Bill, they scored 211 points. On the oh, game. they were awful. That's 13 a game. They were so bad. Worst in the NFL. But, for example, if you want to go to number one, the Patriots, 557 points yeah, versus triple. 211. I think Andy Reid, if he knows one thing, he knows offense. He's got a serviceable quarterback in Alex Smith. Like you said, he's got the skill position guys who were underutilized in the past. They had a bunch of pro bowlers on both sides of the ball. I don't know why they couldn't execute and, and better during the season last year. They got yeah. a, a, if you take out Denver, they're going to lose both the games to Denver. San Diego and Oakland, they went 0-6 against the, the division last year. you got to figure they could maybe go 2-4 and 4 this year, right? Absolutely. And then win another extra game or two. So 6-10. and 10. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I think that um, as far as wins and losses, they're going to be plus 4 versus last year. So I think that Andy will have the most success if you go by that standard. How about the Arizona Cardinals? Didn't they start off 4-0 and last year? Yeah, they beat the Patriots too early on. Yeah, they beat the Patriots in Week Two. I th- I'm pretty sure they started off four and zero, and then all of a sudden they sputter to five and eleven to finish the season. So Ken Wisenhunt is out. We saw what Bruce Arians did—an incredible job taking over for Jim Pagano over uh, in Indianapolis last year. He was the interim head coach there. Took him basically helped him make the playoffs. Now that he's t- uh, taking over the job in Arizona. He has a good quarterback in Carson Palmer. I think very underrated. People saw him with the Oakland Raiders and thinks his career is over. I disagree with that. But I think the, I think the Arizona Cardinals can be a pretty good team. Now they do play in a really tough division. Yeah, they do. Now going back to last year, you mentioned their four zero start. Listen to the teams they beat. Okay, they beat Seattle mm-hmm. in Week One. They yep. beat the Patriots in Foxborough in Week Two. They destroyed the Eagles, who at the time I think might have been 2-0. and But they destroyed the Eagles 27-6. And then they beat Miami as well. Then they lost nine in a row. <laughs> yeah, that, including, that's what... Including their rematch with Seattle, who was probably pretty angry they lost to them initially. The 15-to-nothing yeah. thumping against right. Seattle. Uh, you know, Bill, there's just some teams in the NFL that no matter who they sign, no matter who the coach is, it's a hard time. I have a hard time believing in them at all, and the Cardinals are on that list for me. You know, do you? I mean, do you believe in their quarterback situation? I, I think Carson Palmer is better than what they had last year. Okay, that's not saying much. No, it's not saying much. Skelton. Kevin Cobb and John Skelton, <laughs> exactly. Lindley, Ryan Lindley, John Skelton, <laughs> yeah. Hoyer started the last game. Yeah, I think I, I do, Todd. Hoyer. I really think Carson Palmer can can do some good things in this offense. We'll see. We'll see. They have Larry Fitz, one of the mm-hmm. best receivers talent-wise in the NFL. I think he had a terrible big, year last year. Terrible year last year. That has to do with the quarterback play. I'm I'm really excited to watch their defense. Love Patrick Peterson, uh, what he does as a, you know as a cornerback, and what he does on special teams. And yeah, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. 
Yeah. I think that was a steal in the NFL draft if he stays out of trouble. Of course. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. So so out of this group, who's the most interesting hire in your eyes? The most interesting, you got to go with Chip Kelly from Oregon. You know, at first it was reported that, that Kelly wasn't going to leave Oregon, and then maybe he kind of saw the NCAA sanctions come and decided to hightail out of there. I think he's going to be a very, very intriguing, uh, bring an interesting offense uh, to the NFL. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. If you've been reading the headlines the last couple of days, the, the whole thing has been kind of this, how fast will the NFL referees allow Chip's offense to go during games? Because if mm-hmm. you watch an Oregon game, uh, the, the networks can't get a replay in from the previous right. play because the next play is happening already. It's go, and go, I go, go. I can't remember how many times – on first down, uh, Oregon running back would run for 12 yards, and they start showing the replay, and then they cut the replay right in the middle because the other play already started. So, you know, <laughs> there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about that. You know, the NFL going to let Chip Kelly run the offense the way he wants to run it. So that's intriguing. I don't think they have the quarterback that he wants right now. I mean, maybe right. he can squeeze a year out of Michael Vick, but I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says. I know that Matt Barkley was decent value where they got him. I don't, I don't think he's a fit for what Chip Kelly wants to do. I know that Chip Kelly's not going to run the same offense he ran at Oregon. It's impossible to do that with yeah. you know older guys and a, a limited roster compared to college. I just don't think Matt Barkley's the answer. I don't think Nick Foles is the answer. I think the Eagles' future quarterback is in the next draft. So it'll be interesting to see what he does this year to kind of get through the season, um, how he utilizes LaShawn McCoy, how he utilizes Deshaun Jackson, Demaris uh, Johnson, Little little wide receivers, even the new guy, Russell Shepard, um, who was an undrafted free agent, or did they get him in the very last round? I can't remember, from LSU. He's another mm. dual threat type of guy, an athletic guy. Those three guys are very Oregon-like, so it'll be interesting to see how he utilizes everything. We want to hear from the fans. We want to hear from the listeners out there. Give us a call, 855-478-7030, or you can email us, radio at footballnation.com. How about this question for the fans, Todd? Which of this group is going to get fired first? Who's going to be the first one that got hired this year and in a couple seasons from now or maybe even next year, he's going to get the axe? I'll narrow it down. We had eight guys. I'll narrow it down to two for you. I'll go, with, uh, I'll go to Cleveland and Chicago. Rob Chajinski uh, for the Browns or Mark Trespin for the Bears. A guy now, coming in from the CFL right into the NFL as a head guy. I know he has a different, you know, his resume is okay and all that. Chicago's a tough town, Bill. Uh, I don't know Certainly what kind is. of leash he's going to be on. I, don't, I give the over-under a season and a half on Trestman. What do you think? A season and a half. You know, two, it's two, tough. Give him two seasons. Two seasons? I, I could see that. Two seasons. They, they, Jay Cutler is in a contract year. They have Brandon Marshall. That's a good, uh, you know, uh, quarterback-wide receiver tandem. But I think their defense is getting old. We saw... We saw Brian Urlacher retire this year, and he was really the face of that franchise for so long. So I don't know if Cutler is that kind of guy to step into that role. And, you know, you always got a little bit of drama with Cutler. Brandon Marshall's a diva. Matt Forte's always hurt, getting a little older. You mentioned the defense is aging. I don't know, man. Uh, it's a weird, That was a very out-of-left-field hire. I didn't see that one coming at all, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're the first to cut bait. But let's give him a chance. I mean, he hasn't even played a preseason game yet. We're already speculating. But if I had to go with one team, I'll go with the Bears. The Browns being my, my second choice. I'm not too sure about Rob Tuchinski. What do you think about that? Well, I just want to talk about Tressman for just one more second because oh, sure. the last time he was in the NFL, Todd, was in 2004. 
Like, LaDainian Tomlinson was, was running all over the NFL back in 2004. Uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were, were really just getting started into that elite quarterback, uh, you know, well, grouping. Manning was, Manning was already elite by then. But, yeah, Tom Brady was coming in. Well, he won his, okay. I hear what you're getting right, at. Right, you hear what I'm saying. I'm, all I'm saying is the NFL changed a lot in the last 10 years. And that was the last time he was a coach. He, was, he spent time in North Carolina State. And then it was all with the Canadian Football League for the last four or five years. So yeah. I think the NFL changed a lot in that time. Let's see if he's a little bit old school and, you know, is not up with uh, not up with the times in the NFL. I mean, I don't know a lot about Trespin, but it, it, he seemed like the kind of hire that you would make if you were a team that needed a gimmick, mm-hmm. you know, like a franchise, like a, like Jacksonville or something, you know, right. that wanted to just kind of go out of left field and just give something a try because what the hell, we, we suck anyway. You know what I mean? But right. the Bears, story, tradition – Good team last year, you know, kind of weren't expected to fire Lovey Smith. I didn't see that one coming. And they go with Tressman as their guy? Like, I don't know I don't know any other team that was interviewing Mark Tressman for a head coaching job this offseason. And there was eight vacancies. The Chicago Bears might have been the only one to consider him. That, I just, I don't know. It's just a weird, the whole thing's a weird fit. You know, the Bears were 10-6 and six last year. They weren't terrible. Right. So, I, I, I don't know. Weird fit. We'll see how it happens. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Um, we'll see. All right, so those were the big free agent moves this year. Those were the big coaching changes this year. The next piece of the puzzle in the NFL offseason is the NFL draft. Uh, we're going to be talking about our time. It was crazy at this year's draft. We had a lot of fun. And also Kerry Byrne from Cold Hard Football Facts will join us. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Football Nation on the Football Nation Radio Network. Every football fan has a voice at footballnation.com. <laughs> You know who wasn't surprised when the likes of Tom Kaepernick, Alfred Morris, Doug Martin, and RG3 took the NFL by storm last fall? The guys at collegefootballgeek.com. That's who. Collegefootballgeek.com has been the nation's premier college fantasy football strategy and advice site since 2008. We're in the business of identifying fantasy gold at the college level. At collegefootballgeek.com, you can run mock drafts against the mighty CFG computer, customize your own fantasy cheat sheets, tap into our experts for advice, and keep up with the latest player news for all 124 schools. And the best part, it's free to subscribe. So whether you want to dominate your college fantasy football league, or if you simply want to get an edge on your NFL fantasy leagues by identifying tomorrow's fantasy stars today, check out CollegeFootballGeek.com. Hey, this is Bill Enright from the Fantasy Football Champs. I want to take a quick minute to introduce you to our new daily fantasy football partners at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is a new way to play fantasy football. No more losing your best player and watching your season go down the drain. At DraftKings.com, you draft a new team every week and win huge cash prizes. Here's a true story. Last year, one guy won hundred grand in his very first football contest. $100,000 the first time he played. Sign up now with promo code CHAMPS and get a free contest entry once you deposit. Again, that's DraftKings.com. Promo code CHAMPS. Good luck. Win your fantasy league and your trophy too. It's FF Champs. FF Champs for you. News advice, rankings, and expert advice too. 
FFChamps.com, ensuring you win from draft to playoffs. FFChamps.com, extraordinary results for fantasy football dominance. Football Nation, there is no offseason. All right, welcome back to Football Nation. Bill Enright, Todd DeVries hanging out with you. This is the first episode of Football Nation Live here on the Football Nation Radio Network. Give us a call, 855-478-7030. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at FBallNation. You can follow Todd at CFFGeek. I'm at Bill Enright. But really, we want to hear from you guys, so give us a call or even email radio at footballnation.com and Todd, we're going to rewind, hit the rewind button here for a little bit and talk about our time at the NFL draft this year. Both of us were there for the first, second, third, and fourth rounds of the draft. We had a lot of fun. It was chaotic. But, you know, we were working at the draft, but you and I are both football fans, and you love the college landscape. So when we're going to the NFL draft, you know, we're there to work, but at the same time, we're really there as fans. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's plenty of downtime, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're sitting at home watching the draft, you get a pick, and then, you know, you've got other things to do. They're showing highlights and all that kind of stuff and getting some interviews. When you're live at the draft, there's a pick, and then what do we see? Well, we see the player pose with Goodell, then he po- poses with a bunch of his agents, then his fans or his family comes out on the stage, and he poses for pictures with them. Then he walks around yep. to the first interview station. Then he walks around. It's it's a whole like cattle cattle call of uh, players. By the time they get picked, to the time they get through all the interviews, which are happening all around us, the second the next pick's already happened. Yeah. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's there's plenty of downtime in between and plenty of time to. Uh, we were doing a lot of analysis on Football Nation and uh, tweeting and all that good stuff. But man, it was it was quite the experience, man. What I love about the draft being there in person is, you know, when you're when you're watching on TV, you don't get to see all the fans. So maybe when the New York Jets pick, they they put on the the New York Jets fans up on the up on the screen. But when you're at the draft, you see the Jet fans sitting next to the Giant fans, sitting next to the Patriot fans, who are who are you know talking trash to the Eagle fans, and then you got the Vikings fans there. I love seeing all the different outfits people are wearing, and the chants, and the screaming, and the boos. And the cheering, that's, that to me is what makes the live event, being there at Radio City, so much fun. Well, you're right. I mean, there's so many rivalries in the NFL, and they're all represented in the upper deck at yep. Radio City. Yep. And the chants that go on, like when the Jets are on the clock or when the Giants are on the clock or even other teams, the Raiders, you pick it, the Eagles, there's always a team that people hate on the clock, right? Yep. And then that team makes a pick, and then there's chants against that team after they make the pick. There's chance before. It's kind of like a European soccer match or something, right? Yeah. There's all sorts of chanting and, like, all these strangers that are all wearing the same jersey for the Packers start chanting against the Bears. Right. Cowboys fans against the Eagles. You name it. It's insane. And they don't they don't capture a lot of that on television. I didn't see any fights breaking out, Bill, but it got, it got a little nasty at times. Yeah, sure did. No fights this year. You know, most of it is all in good fun. If you haven't – if you're if you love the NFL draft – or I'm sorry, if you love the NFL, you love college football, 
go to the NFL draft at least once. I'm not saying you have to wait in line overnight and be there for the first round, but at least try to make it to one day because the NFL does such a cool job of, of really making it fun for the fans that are there. They have, like, different displays. They have the Super Bowl trophy on display. You can take a picture with it. They have, like, different player displays. You walk around, there's free gift bags with some cool NFL swag. You have to make it to the draft at least one time. Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's the ultimate experience, and you're going to bump into a lot of celebrities, too. The whole football world is there. Obviously, all the guys from the major networks are there. The former players are there promoting things. All the beat writers that you've been reading for years and years online are there. All the television personalities, and most of them are friendly, you know, most of them. I remember uh, at the end of the night, Bill, I was finishing up a story after the draft, after the first round. Yeah. And um, I closed my computer, and I was walking outside, out, you know, up the uh, the uh, aisle of Radio City to leave. And who was standing in front of me with his bodyguard was Mel Kuyper. Big bodyguard. And I, saw, I actually followed Mel Kuyper outside when because we were kind of in a media area. But right. And then we went into the non-media area, and I swear it was like Justin Bieber. Outside, <laughs> when he when they opened the doors and Kuiper went out, there were hundreds of fans waiting out there. It was like after midnight, right? And they were all waiting for him. Yeah. It was very, very odd. Very he, odd. When it comes to the NFL draft, he's the guy. I guess, I guess, but uh, he was a rock star, and that was certainly interesting. So, yeah, there's lots of interesting th- and things from that. But the one thing that we, I think, the one pick Bill that was that draw drew the most reaction for obvious reasons was Geno Smith in the second round. Oh, absolutely. When he went, the whole all hell broke loose in that building. Well, the Jet fans are very volatile, very angry group of people to begin with. And given that their quarterback situation and seeing the butt fumble played on ESPN for, I don't know, 40 weeks straight of being, you know, the worst of the worst plays, I think that some of them were very happy, but most of them were screaming no and booing and throwing things and crying. So that Jet fan, you know, that Jet fan base, very animated, just like their head coach, Rex Ryan. And when Geno Smith, everyone ex- was expecting him to be the first quarterback taken off the board, but it wasn't. It was E.J. Manuel. Geno Smith was still there, waiting until the second day, and then he came off the board with the 39th pick, and it was just bedlam I know. Inside. Well, that's the thing, right? When the first round is over, what do we all write about? Okay, who slipped through the cracks? Who's available? Right. Who's the big name in round two? And obviously, he was at the top of the list, so... The speculation was, wow, well, he dropped. Maybe a really good team will trade up to get him and nurture him for a year or two and then put him into the mix, you know. Maybe he'll land in a great situation. Nope, not the case. He went to the Jets. Train wreck. Boom. <laughs> so you're right. So it was kind of a – the reason it was so interesting was that the, the Jets fans didn't know how to react because in, on one, if you wanted to put the glass half full side on the Jets fans, they got the, they got the big name guy. That slipped all the way to the second round, right? Right. But it's but the, the glass half, half empty side is, you know, it's the Jets and they're going to screw it up. <laughs> so, oh, it was, that was that was a classic moment. I think you took video of that, and put it on FootballNation.com. I did. You know, I'm going to have to get that gift that gif somewhere. I'll, I'll I'll try to send out uh, a tweet at the end of the show with all the Jet fans' reaction. One guy was just screaming no over and over and over again. It was classic, classic stuff. So Geno Smith was the second quarterback taken. EJ Manuel was the first quarterback taken. He EJ Manuel to the Buffalo Bills. Very surprised, uh, at least from you know people reactions in in the crowd. But how about Eric Fisher was the first overall pick by the Kansas City Chiefs? It was the first time, Todd, since 2008 that a quarterback wasn't taken first overall, and since 2000. This is how 
quarterback obsessed the NFL is. Since the year 2000, 14 picks, only four of them haven't been quarterbacks. Hmm. Well, next year I think you're probably going to see a defensive guy go in Jadavian Clowney from South Carolina. So that'll right. be five out of 15. Maybe back uh, Although there's some good quarterbacks coming out. You never know. Depends on who's up at the top. Um, yep. You know, Teddy Bridgewater from Louisville is a guy that is going to be a high pick this year. But, uh, yeah, Eric Fisher, it wasn't uh, – it wasn't nearly as sexy as the year before, Bill, when you had uh, when you had Andrew Luck, Andrew RG3, Luck and Trent RG3, Richardson, sure, sure. all those guys going in the top of the first round. But it was interesting nonetheless. Now, Eric Fisher might have been the first pick. He was a Mac guy, right, Todd? We love that Mac-tion. Central Michigan, yep. That's right. Chippewas. The, the SEC still dominated the first round. 12 of the th- first 32 picks, all of them SEC guys. The next highest conference only had six. So to see the SEC have 12 players – Three of them being from Alabama, it just shows the dominance of that conference. No, well, three of the first twelve were from Alabama, taking it yeah. nine, ten, and eleven in a row. Right. You know, it was an Alabama party. Nick Saban was there to watch it too. Um, we saw him out of the corner of our eye a few times. Yep. So uh, Saban was was smiling from ear to ear because you know all the recruits are watching this, and uh, you know that's obviously a great recruiting tool to see all your guys go in the first round. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Let's uh let's bring on our friend Kerry Byrne from Cold Hard Football Facts, Todd, to talk a little bit more about that team with the first overall pick this past draft. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Kerry, what's going on, man? You there? Welcome to the show. Bill and Todd, how you doing, gentlemen? Doing well, my friend. So, Excited so Kerry, you got here. What I like to call Bill and Todd's excellent adventure. That's right. Ah, ah thank you. Uh, hopefully, we uh, we come across just as smoothly as those two Hollywood characters. <laughs> Which one am I? Am I Keanu Reeves or am I the, the blonde, uh, the I, other dude that I nobody knows about? I get which one was Bill and which one was Ted. I do, uh, but I, I know no in idea. this case who's Bill and Todd. And that's all well, if, if that's the case, then if you remember that movie, Bill, uh, George Carlin was, was their boss. So you're the George Carlin of the show. There you go, Carrie. All right, sure. The, the wise, sagacious old man, right? Yeah, perfect. So so wise old man, coldheartfootballfacts.com. Here we are. It's August, ramping up for the season. One of your big stories this week was on the Kansas City Chiefs, who are kind of that, there's always that sleeper team that the media grasps onto, sexy team. These guys are going to surprise. You wrote an article about them. Give us your take on the Chiefs this year. Well, you know, I'm a little surprised that everyone seems a little little hot on Kansas City. Remember, they were not only 2-14 and 14 last year, they were, by, by every empirical measure, the worst team in football, more importantly, Todd, they were the worst team in Kansas City Chiefs history. Wow. They had the worst offense in the history of the franchise, the, the, the lowest offensive output in the, in the entire 53-year history of the Kansas City Chiefs. They had the worst pass defense in franchise history. And this was a team with problems up and down the roster. Now, of course, hope springs eternal in football, right, especially in August. And, you know, the team, they have a new coach, right? They're going to have a new quarterback. They got the number one overall pick in Chuck Eric Fisher. They have uh, Jamal Charles, who is the most explosive running back right now in the history of football. So there are there are reasons to be excited. But um, my only concern is that a lot of people have these guys essentially a wild card team, and and I just I don't think people grasp just how deep the problems were for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not trying to not trying to uh, squash any enthusiasm in Kansas City, but the reality is. This is as bad as the team gets, and uh, I, I just don't. I think it's a couple year process, a few year process for Andy Reid to make them make them truly a contender. I, I really do. Now, Kerry, 
we, we talked a little bit about the Chiefs earlier in the show, and my prediction for them was about 6-10. and 10. Do you think that's a possibility? I'm, I'm certainly not one of these pundits who's going to put them borderline playoffs this year, but I think – I think that they could go 6-10. and 10. Am I, Is that an unreal expectation? I, I think that's realistic. I mean, that's a four-game improvement, right? I mean, they have to get better. They can't get worse. And I'm, I'm kind of in that ballpark with you, Todd. I really am. But, you know, look at some of the things going on out there. You know, the over-under, according to Bovada, the win total for Kansas City this year, is 7.5 games. 7.5? That's the same as the Minnesota Vikings, who were a 10-6 and six playoff team last year. Uh, it, we, we actually went to a story by uh, Football Nation contributor and, and Chiefs fan Tim Gorman. He has the Chiefs. Five and one out of the gate in eleven and five next season. The Associated Press has the Chiefs at number nineteen in the preseason power ranking. And again, the worst team in football last year by almost any measure. And I, I was I was always fascinated by a report on NFL Network by reporter Omar Ruiz out of Chiefs Camp. They're not afraid this is a quote now, they're not afraid to talk about winning big and winning big right now. In fact, they broke the final team huddle today by shouting championship. That, to me, is what Fed Chim and Alan Greenspan once called a rational exuberance, Todd. And I think your your expectations of a, about a six-win six season are much more realistic, much more rational. Kerry, last year you said Alex Smith, who was a, uh, at the time the starter for the San Francisco 49ers, was the best quarterback to ever get benched. You loved how accurate he was, how efficient he was. Now that he's with the Kansas City Chiefs, their quarterback situation last year was Terrible. Yep. Matt Castle, very inconsistent, always turned the ball over. Do you think Alex Smith being there is just enough to give him that push now that he's in Andy Reid's system, a new head coach for Kansas City as well? Well, uh, two things here. First of all, I want to tell you just how bad the quarterbacking was in Kansas City last year. The Chiefs ranked 31st in what we call real quarterback rating. It's our measure of all aspects of quarterback play. Bill, nine total touchdowns. Total out of the quarterback position all season. Eight passing and one rushing. Oh, terrible. Here in 2012, a year in which passing stats were through the roof, the Chiefs produced nine touchdowns all year out of the quarterback position and 27 turnovers. That is, that's like 1930s football. That's how <laughs> bad the quarterback situation was. So, yes, Alex Smith, to me, immediately will make this a better team. And, yes, he was the best quarterback ever to get benched. Uh, based on what, what he was doing at the time. And don't forget the time, he was one of the highest-rated passes in football when he got benched last season. He was having a very productive season for the second year in a row. The, the San Francisco offense was on fire. You would never see a quarterback play that well, kind of get benched so unceremoniously. So that's what we meant by the best quarterback ever to get benched. With that said, he will make an impact. He will make the Chiefs better. He will make the quarterback situation better. But what I'm wondering, uh, Bill and Todd, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, I think Jim Harbaugh has already proven himself the best quarterback coach in football in two short years in the home at San Francisco. And all you have to do is look at how well Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick played under him. Two guys that a lot of people said could not play quarterback at this level, at a, you know, at a high level in the NFL. And those guys were elite passers under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I wonder how much of Alex Smith's production was playing for a great quarterback coach and I wonder, I wonder what impact, you know, what that dynamic will be with Andy Reid this year. I think uh, it may not be worse, it may not be better. I'm just thinking it'll be different. And how that plays out, I think, is going to be an interesting story. How how Alex Smith plays in the Andy Reid system, I think, is going to be a very interesting story. That's a good Which point, Carrie. Let's not, not forget Harbaugh. Team, but about Jim Harbaugh. 
at St- at Stanford, who was his who was the quarterback he nurtured at Stanford? A guy by the name of Andrew Luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a, a good great, recruit and everything, but obviously a few years under Harbaugh, and he became an unbelievable talent. So you, you're definitely on to something there. I do think Andy Reid obviously is a pretty good quarterbacks coach course, as well. Yep. You know, he helped coach Brett Favre during his glory days, and obviously what he did with Donovan McNabb. So I think uh, you know, I think it uh, it might be a slight uh, downgrade. But I think he lands in a pretty good spot if you're talking about quarterback coaches. No, I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying they they have it's an interesting story to watch. And this team has a long, long way to go to improve that position. We're not talking. This was a a substandard passing team last year. This is one of the worst passing teams ever. When you look at how easy it is to play quarterback now in the NFL, for this team to play quarterback, to, you know, play quarterback so poorly uh, last year was uh, was Stunning to watch. It was it was horrible. You know, we ran a we ran a stat. Uh, we have a stat coming up in the story about the Patriots that we touched on on Twitter yesterday. The New England Patriots last season, okay, scored 557 points in 16 games. The Chiefs have scored 546 points in their last 38 games, going back to Week 12 of the 2010 season. <laughs> this team is a terrible. It's been a terrible offensive team. Andy Reid has a lot of work ahead of him. He can do. An incredible job, and this will still be a team that's going to struggle to get to 500. Well, I think I'm, I'm in agreement with you there, Kerry. I do think that they can improve, like you said, plus four, but that's not going to get them into the playoffs. I think six and ten is a is a, a good place to start. I'm surprised that the over-under is seven and a half. I would definitely go under there. I think I seven shocked. and nine is like yeah. the ceiling would be seven and nine. I mean, they do play the Raiders twice and the Chargers twice, both teams who aren't so hot. So I think they could split with those guys. You know, they get Jacksonville. That's their third win. You know, they play some other weak teams. But getting up to, to eight, nine wins, I don't see that happening at all. It's going to be a tough road. It's going to be a tough road. And who knows, you know, uh, you know, they, they play Dallas is going to be a pretty good team this year. They have them early. They have the Giants early. Uh, they have the Texans. You know, two games against the Broncos, the Redskins. This is not a... You know, and the Colts, we all I think we all expect to be a good team. That's not, not a pushover schedule. I think I think six and ten, you got to be real happy as a Chiefs fan this year. Kerry, if you think the Chiefs are not going to live up to the hype this year, what teams are kind of flying under the radar that people really aren't talking about that that you think can can have success in twenty thirteen? You know, I, I have to. I've been asked this question a couple times already uh, this this off season, Bill, and I I don't. You know what? That's that's what makes it <laughs> what makes football so great. There, there will be a surprise team, and we don't know who it is. And I don't I don't really see who that might be. I could throw some a couple of to you, okay? That I don't think would be shockers, but uh, the Cowboys are not far away. They're really not. They make a couple improvements on defense. This is a team that can win eleven or twelve games. I know Tony Romo takes a lot of heat. Uh, we ran a, a big story this year, this uh, off season that went borrow about. How Tony Romo is a very productive fourth quarter quarterback. The Cowboys last year led the NFL with five fourth quarter comeback victories. Their problems have been on the defensive side of the ball. We all like to blame the quarterback. You know, give him too much credit for wins and too much blame for losses. And Tony Romo certainly takes a lot of heat, and he has had some some signature bad moments. But he is far from a bad quarterback. He puts up winning numbers. If that team can improve their defense, I can. That's a team that could compete for the NFC East. Absolutely. Uh, I can see that happening. I really like not a dark horse anymore, but I think Seattle uh, is, to me, my Super Bowl favorite out of the NFC. I think Seattle really? is a dangerous, dangerous team, a bright young quarterback. 
hard-hitting defense that was the best in football last year. And uh, again, not a not a shocking team, but I don't know how many people have them going to the Super Bowl. But I would not be surprised to see them go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and then in the you know in the AFC, I think a lot of people have counted out the Patriots already with all the problems they've had. But these are the New England Patriots. They have Tom Brady. Uh, if Aqib Tlaib can stay healthy, this the New England's defensive passer rating last season was 20 points better with Tlaib in the lineup than it was without him. That's a, that, that's a huge, huge difference. That's a huge impact. If he can stay healthy the whole season, the Patriots could have a Super Bowl caliber defense, which they've not had in quite some time. And uh, I'm not ready to give the AFC to the Denver Broncos just yet. Far from it. So, uh, so none of those are really shocking teams, but I think teams that uh, people are kind of dismissing a little bit and shouldn't. Kerry Byrne is our guest here on Football Nation. You can follow Kerry on Twitter, at Football Facts. Kerry, what's going on with uh, Cold Hard Football Facts Insider this year? What can fans expect to see uh, well, over Bill, the we coming have, weeks uh, you know, leading up to the regular Facts season? Insider is our premium product. It's where we have all our best stats and analysis and information and uh, a lot of great new features this year. You're going to be able to select your, your favorite team as your home page. We're going to have uh, stat pack team pages for all 32 NFL teams, a complete statistical profile of your favorite team. We're going to have all new statistical comparisons of every team and every game, helping us pick winners and losers, both straight up and against the spread. And as you guys know, Cold Heart Football Facts Insiders have an incredible track record of success, four years in a row of winning picks against the spread, a pretty phenomenal track record. And our, we think our picks and our analysis are going to be better than ever this year. Uh, just so, and, and a whole bunch of new quality stats. As some listeners may know, the foundation of ColdHeartFootballFacts.com are our quality stats. These stats have a direct correlation to winning football games. We're introducing a whole new slew of quality stats. And uh, if you go to ColdHeartFootballFacts.com, click the Insider button, become a Cold Heart Football Facts Insider. It's really the best, most uh, exact statistical analysis on the web. Great information if, really, if you really want to know, Bill, what wins and loses NFL games. Kerry Byrne has it all. You can follow him on Football Facts, at Football Facts on Twitter, and check out Cold Hard Football Facts Insider, especially when you want to know who's going to win and who's going to win, lose NFL games. Kerry, as always, we appreciate you coming on to talk to uh, a little bit about football today, and we're going to be doing it throughout the entire preseason and every week uh, in the regular season right here on the Football Nation Radio Network. All right, guys. Excited about the new show, Bill and Todd, Excellent Adventure. I think you guys are great, and I'll look forward to listening to you all year. So. Thanks, Kerry. Right, much appreciated. There he is, the man. Now, Bill, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with his website, ColdHeartFootballFacts.com, he always finds that angle that no one's talking about or yep. that team no one's talking about. He sure does. And last year he was on the Seattle bandwagon early before, uh, if, you know. Break, the only before, people that were on the bandwagon before Kerry were the people that live in Seattle. Exactly. Or the people that, he kept you know, telling Seahawks us last fans. year. Yeah, he told us last year early, early, he said, watch out for Seattle. They could make a run. They could make a run. And his stats backed it up, and his stats were telling him the trends. And sure enough, man, Seattle was really close to getting to the Super Bowl, in my view. So uh, it's interesting. He's not on the Chiefs bandwagon. He does think they'll improve, and they have to improve. They just, by default, they have to improve a couple of games, right? Yeah, I would but, think so. But uh, he's not buying into the people that go over the top. It happens every year, Bill. Remember a couple years ago, everyone was all in on the Browns. And I'm going back three or four years now. I just couldn't believe that the preseason hype for the Browns one season. And I'm like, what are they talking about? And sure enough, the Browns, you know, they, they scheduled them. The NFL scheduled them on like a couple Monday night games and a couple Sunday night games preparing for this big season. Mm-hmm. And they went like 4-12, and 12, you yeah. know? <laughs> and, you know, so you got to be careful uh, 
buying into what you hear on all the, the major networks. Kerry's got a real good vibe on these teams. So he says, don't go in on the Chiefs. Bet the under on seven and a half games. Yeah, I might have to uh, make that wager. I like that. Seven and a half? That's insane. Let's look at their schedule real quick. Yeah, I got it up right now. You got it up in front of you? Yeah. All right, let's go game by game. I'm going to yeah. r- rapid fire. You just say win or loss, okay? Week sure. one at Jacksonville. Win. Dallas. Loss. At Philly. Win. Two and one. Giants. Loss. Tennessee. Win. At Tennessee. Win. That's three wins I got. All right, you got them at three and two. Oakland, home. Win. Houston, home. Loss. At our Cleveland home. Win. That's five wins. At Buffalo. Win. Six. At Denver. Loss. San Diego. Loss. Denver. Loss. At Washington. Loss. At Oakland. Win. Colts. Loss. At San Diego. Win. You have them at seven then, right? Seven wins. All right. You got them at seven. And it's over under seven and a half. Yep. I'll tell you what. You know what. You know what game it's going to be. They have to beat the Chargers twice. Exactly. It's the Chargers. They have to beat the Chargers twice because right now I have them splitting with the Chargers. I think they have to beat the Chargers twice. I don't know. The Kansas City Chiefs to me very intriguing. New quarterback this year. They new coach this year. They got the first overall pick in the NFL draft. We'll see what happens. Kansas City well, hey, Chiefs again, and I'm not arguing with on. the fact that they're intriguing to talk about, and they yeah. definitely will improve, and there's okay. a lot of optimism, and they got they had some underutilized players. I just don't think they're a playoff team, but, uh, but they'll be fun to watch. All right, enough about the Kansas City Chiefs. Up next, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about the college fantasy, uh, college football, the latest on Johnny Manziel, plus we'll break down the top ten teams heading into 2013. Mike Calabrese from Football Nation and collegefootballgeek.com will help us break it all down. That's coming up next here on Football Nation. Football, football, and more football at footballnation.com. Footballnation.com is all football all the time. It's a one-stop shop for diehard football fans to get their football fix. NFL, college football, fantasy football, news, analysis, videos, articles, and podcasts. You'll find it all on footballnation.com. It's a great place to interact with thousands of hardcore, passionate NFL, college, and fantasy football fans. Want to get in the game? The Football Nation community gives hardcore fans the power to share their opinions, views, passions, photos, gripes, stats, or analysis. FN has the biggest network of user contributors dedicated solely to covering football. Join our team today and instantly launch your own team, player, or fantasy football column or blog. Build your own personal brand and following with your Football Nation portfolio of content. If you love football, you belong on FootballNation.com. Simply sign up for free at FootballNation.com and become a citizen of Football Nation today. Hey, this is Bill Enright from the Fantasy Football Champs. I want to take a quick minute to introduce you to our new daily fantasy football partners at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is a new way to play fantasy football. 
No more losing your best player and watching your season go down the drain. At DraftKings.com, you draft a new team every week and win huge cash prizes. Here's a true story. Last year, one guy won 100 grand in his very first football contest. $100,000 the first time he played. Sign up now with promo code CHAMPS and get a free contest entry once you deposit. Again, that's DraftKings.com. Promo code CHAMPS. Good luck. ColdHardFootballFacts.com Insider will change the way you look at the game of pro football with our groundbreaking quality stats. These are stats that have direct correlation to winning football games. The proof is in our performance at Cold Hard Football Facts Insider. We analyze every team and pick every game every week straight up and against the spread. Cold Hard Football Facts Insiders have gone 500 or better against the spread in an incredible 72% of weeks since the start of the 2009 season. Visit coldhardfootballfacts.com, click CHFF Insider, and uncover the statistical secrets that separate winners from losers in NFL games. The proof is in our performance. Become a Cold Hard Football Facts Insider today at coldhardfootballfacts.com. This is Football Nation. Todd DeVries and Bill Enright bring you the latest trends from the NFL. Headlines, stats, fantasy previews, and more right here on Football Nation. All right, welcome back to Football Nation. He's Todd DeVries. I'm Bill Enright, and we are with you for another full hour here on Football Nation Radio. You can give us a call at 855-478-7030. Hit us up on Twitter at FBallNation or email us radio at footballnation.com. And, Todd, Football Nation, we're not just about the NFL. We love college football, too, especially when we have golden storylines like what's going on with Johnny Manziel. Oh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Hey, Bill, you know, you and I, we've done a lot of radio over the years. And last year, we kind of closed the college football season, closed the book on the season and said, Johnny, please stay out of trouble this offseason. You know, we can and see. he's going to do it. Well, he, a lot of the stuff he did was a little overblown by the media. You know, right. he showed up at the NBA finals, sitting in the front row in $10,000 seats. And he comes from a lot of a family with a lot of money. So, they, you know, it's possible they paid for all that kind of stuff. And the media, but he kept showing up at fraternity parties on YouTube and TMZ. He couldn't. He was in the limelight, but nothing illegal, right? Just just Johnny being Johnny. Well, then you know the past week or so, uh, news has broken. He's being accused of taking some money from memorabilia brokers for signing some autographs. So now we're dealing with something that potentially the NCAA can sink their teeth into. And uh, to talk about Johnny Manziel is our man, Michael Calabrese, who's a contributor, not only at footballnation.com, but also at collegefootballgeek.com. Mike, are you there? I'm here. I'm, uh, I got to say, my nerves are a little frayed by all this Johnny Manziel stuff. I have to listen to Steve Spurrier talk just to calm me down. Him talking about Arby's has a calming influence on me. <laughs> Now, now, Mike, uh, you know, why don't you, for the audience, let's reset this story for a second. You know, I just kind of said how Johnny was in the news, just kind of being out and about, nothing, nothing crazy. But what's going on here, and why is this story so significant for his potential uh, 2013 season? 
So as many people know at this point, there's been photographic evidence of him signing memorabilia. Now that in itself is not a crime. It's not an, even an NCAA violation. Players sign autographs all the time. But if he were to receive payment, as you know, the allegations are flying around right now that he received five figures, uh, 7,500 cents thrown around as a specific number, that would be a violation of the NCAA rule. And the particular rule is stated like this. Uh, athletes are prohibited from making money by promoting or advertising the commercial sale of a product or service. So whether he's you know, selling his autograph or saying, buy this football because I'm Johnny Manziel and you should buy it, that would be a violation. And that kind of violation, the amount of money attached to it being over $1,000, could have him suspended for four, more, four or more games in this upcoming season. But it gets a little more complicated than that because if any associate attached to Johnny Manziel received money, he could also be taken down in the same way. Uh, there's an individual by the name of Nate Fitch, who is a high school friend of his who goes by the moniker Uncle Nate, and he kind of acts as his de facto agent. Now, in the past, the NCAA looked at this as a previous relationship. You were friends with Nate. That's not a big deal. He can go anywhere with you. He can, you know, kind of reap the benefits of your celebrity, so to speak. But after the Cam Newton case in 2010, in which a family member acted as a de facto agent for him and profited from, uh, potentially profited from uh, either endorsements or pay-to-play allegations, the player, even without knowing about it, gets roped into that. Now, Cam Newton ended up skating because the NCAA rule previously stated if Auburn had offered the money to Cecil Newton, his father, then it would have been a problem. But instead, Mississippi State offered money to Cecil Newton. He didn't go to Mississippi State, went to Auburn, he ended up being cleared. Now, the NCAA looked at that. They got egg on their face. They're like, Clearly, he did something. His father did something wrong, but he's, he remained eligible. So they went ahead and they passed that up. And now, as it's currently uh, constituted, an agent is any individual who directly or indirectly represents or attempts to represent. And that's the key word, attempts to represent. Because a lot of people are saying there's no smoking gun. There's no silver bullet in this case to say that Manziel or Fitch received money. Well, if Fitch even asked for money, then that could get tied back to Manziel, and that could affect his eligibility. So let's talk about the timing of all this, okay? The Cam Newton thing came down in the middle of his Heisman season, right? And there, the question at that time, if, I re- if I'm remembering correctly, was, you know, will he be able to play in the big game at the end of the year against Alabama? Will he be able to play in the bowl game? This is all happening on the eve of the season. I mean, it all broke within 48 hours of Texas A&M having their first fall camp practice. So the timing of this, are we dealing with a scorned memorabilia dealer? I mean, why is this happening right now when potentially it looks like the stuff that he's being accused of happened back in January? It's pretty clear that this memorabilia dealer who is is the only person that he's shown is Joe Shad of ESPN. He showed him the video, and this was after trying to shop the video. So I think his initial instinct was, I'm a guy who can make money off of this. Let me see if I can sell this, you know, to a, a major news. Uh, organization and get the money out of it. And once that kind of dried up and no one was interested, he figured, well, now I can show it and potentially extort maybe Nate, maybe Manziel, maybe A&M. Someone might come out of the woodwork and say, get rid of this. Those things didn't happen. And he showed it to Joe Shad, who, journalistically speaking, it's a bit of a gray area to say, an unnamed source and no one else saw it but me, but ESPN went ahead anyway and, you know, they put these facts out there. Since then, this memorabilia dealer, I don't think he's scorned because he said he will not deal with the NCAA. The NCAA is kind of in a tough spot because they don't have the subpoena power. 
to go after any of these individuals and, you know, make them say whether they gave money or if they were offering money. They can't do that. And the Manziel camp, if you notice, has gone totally black overnight. You know, everything's quiet down on that end. Uh, Fitch is nowhere to be found. So it's clear that they have their own legal representation, and they're taking this very seriously. So the actual opportunity for the NCAA, I, I think, is the window's closing on them because, as you pointed out, this is something that just came to, to light recently. But the NCAA's been keeping an eye on Manziel. I think if they had something, we'd be farther into this investigation. Right. I mean, and right now, I mean, unless further evidence pops up, right, or unless these memorabilia dealers decide to really talk to the NCAA, they don't have enough, right? I mean, all they have is video of him uh, signing autographs. They don't have video of him collecting cash. And even worse, the NCAA doesn't have that video directly. They have it through third-hand knowledge. So really, the only you know powers they have left, there's two of them. One, they can ask for Manziel's bank records. And if he says, I'm not going to give you the bank records, they can suspend him just for that, for not complying with you know uh, NCAA rules that he signed up on, signed up for just as any college athlete does as soon as they get in the door. Now, if they can't find uh, a deposit that was linked to you know potentially linked to the signing, so they're looking for something that comes across as you know seventy four hundred dollars, seventy five hundred dollars, something in that range. Then they really don't have anything. If you remember the AJ Green case where he sold his own jersey to an agent for a thousand dollars. They found just about $1,000 in a deposit in his bank account, and that made it very easy for them. The second option they have is, I always call this the Des Bryant option, which drag Manziel in, ask him a bunch of questions, ask him 100 different questions, and hope that he slips up and lies about something or doesn't remember something as, you know, as it happened. Because if that's the case, the NCAA lost it on Des Bryant and said, you lied about a relationship with Deion Sanders. We're making you ineligible. So if they really were after him, they could try to get him on something else and try to trip him up once they have him in that room and they're asking him the questions. But really at this point, they're grasping at straws. And that, that's, to me, more of a witch hunt than really trying to get to the bottom of this particular case. All right. So, so Mike, look into your crystal ball here, okay? When all this is said and done, you know, how do you see this shaking out? What's going to happen? Is he going to skate like Cam Newton? Or is he going to suffer the similar fate as – Georgia wide receiver A.J. Green, now the Bengal, or Des Bryant now with the Cowboys. What's going to happen here? What's your prediction? Well, my prediction is now that uh, Texas A&M has retained legal counsel, the same legal counsel that was used by Auburn in the Cam Newton case, they're going to talk with them, they're going to talk internally, and then they're going to talk to the NCAA, and the NCAA is going to tell them, you know, if you play him and down the line we find that he took money, he's not only ineligible moving forward, but you could be forced to forfeit those games that he's participated in. That gives, puts them in a position to say, is it worth the risk to put Johnny Manziel on the field? So they're going to get all the information together, and I think what they're going to come to is kind of what we've been dancing around for the last five minutes, which is there's just not really a strong case unless somebody inside the Manziel camp folds, whether it's Nate, Johnny Manziel, someone else associated with this story. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I think Manziel's talent is too important to the A&M program right now their chances of potentially winning an SEC championship, they're on the line this season. So I think it's worth the risk. I think at the end of the day, someone believes in you know believes in Johnny, believes in what he said, or he won't. I mean, it comes down to that that face to face. Does he think that he's telling the truth? And I think he's going to roll the dice with Manziel because they're in a power position right now. It's just going to be a lot of scrutiny. It's going to be a lot of news. And as long as Manziel doesn't trip himself up, I think their their season's going to be fine. 
Michael Calabrese, contributor from collegefootballgeek.com and Football Nation, joining us here on Football Nation Live. We're talking Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And, Mike, you know, I, I have to ask myself this. If Johnny Manziel's family is so rich, so wealthy, tens of millions of dollars, he's flying around in private jets, why on earth would he have to sign autographs or want to sign autographs for $7,500? just doesn't add up to me. I, I'm it's not a lot of money question. to him. Are you familiar with the, the movie The Big Lebowski? Uh, I yes, am. I am. Of course. Okay. So the wife, Bunny, in that movie wants more money. Even though she gets an allowance, she just wants more because, you know, just because she's rich doesn't mean she doesn't go around spending the money. Allegedly, Johnny Manziel wanted rims for his Mercedes. Now, it's illogical to think the parents bought him a Mercedes. Why couldn't they? Of course, they could afford to buy him rims. But what I think really happens, or the motivation behind this hypothetically is, uh, no, Johnny, you, we're actually putting our foot down. You can't have $10,000 rims on your car. You already have uh, a luxury vehicle. You're just going to have to deal with it. And he said, okay, Mom and Dad, talk to his boy, you know, Nate Fitch. And he was like, you know, I, you can do whatever you want. You're Johnny Manziel. You're the Heisman Trophy winner. I'll find a way for us to squeeze out ten grand. Don't worry about it. Don't ask me any questions. And maybe we can make this happen. A hypothetical conversation like that would not shock me. I don't it's know, all, man. It, so, Bill, it's all about the rims, baby. No, listen, it, I, I can't see that happening as a situation where his parents would say, no, you can't have rims. Because if they're flying him in a private jet back and forth to the Miami Heat Game 7, going to L.A. for the SBs, he was at the Manning camp. The next day he was at the SBs in L.A. you know, flying privately. I can't see them saying, no, you can't have rims. I'm sure he has some kind of, uh, what is it called, Todd, when you, when you have um, – Allowance? All those rich kids. No, 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 no. Trust uh, fund? Trust fund. I'm sure he has some kind of trust fund that he can access now that he's over 18. Uh, that, to me, is just the biggest thorn in this whole story that he's doing these autographs, signing 300 mini helmets for 7500 bucks. That's the part that, to me, it falls apart. He's worth well, well, millions well, of dollars. He's going to have he didn't do it for tons money. of endorsements as soon as he leaves college. I can't see him doing is, this for 7500 bucks. So why would he do that? Would he do that out of the goodness of his own heart because he loves signing autographs? And that this is coming on the heels of that ESPN article that all he did the entire article was complain about people coming up to him Hounded him for autographs. He was, you know, flogging through all this stuff. So where's the motivation if it's not for money? Maybe he just wants to get, uh, you know, build his personal brand a little bit. Potentially, I, I think you know, there's. If this was a court of law, I think the NCAA would have zero chance. But really, inside their purview, it's more like a, a civil suit where they just have to make it a convincing argument. And I think it's at least convincing that he would have sold it for money as opposed to building his own personal brand. You can make an argument on both sides. I just think he's not that altruistic to do it for charity or do it, you know, just for the fans. And in terms of his personal brand, I'm not sure Johnny Manziel can get any bigger than he is right now. Michael Calabrese, I think you have a, uh, another reason you'd like to see him stay on the field this year. Am I correct? You have tickets to see him play this fall. I do, and hopefully I'm going to bring my mini helmet collection, and hopefully we can you know, reach a deal somewhere between uh, here and Oxford, Mississippi, to get some of those signatures. And if you do that and you're able to break some news here on Football Nation Radio, we would appreciate it. Absolutely, exclusive <laughs> for uh, FN, anytime. Michael Calabrese, thanks for joining us today. You can find Michael Calabrese on FootballNation.com, CollegeFootballGeek.com, and also follow him on Twitter, at EastBreeze, and that's B-R-E-E-S-E. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot, guys. Bill, 
it's a story that's not going away anytime soon. The the NCAA takes a long time to react to this kind of thing. So if you're tired about hearing about Johnny football every day, get used to it because I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Well, let us know if you're sick of hearing about Johnny Manziel. Let us know if you think he's 100% guilty with this autograph scandal. Give us a call, 855-478-7030, or send us an email, radio at footballnation.com. Give us your thoughts on Johnny Manziel. We'd love to hear from you. But, uh, you know, Todd, listen, Texas A&M, where are they in this top ten list that we're about to break into? They're number six, correct? Yep. Without Johnny Manziel, without Johnny football, you know, they're going to be sliding down this list. It is in their best interest to find out, you know, the truth of this situation and take care of it, kind of, uh, I don't know, extinguish any fires or, or anything that's going on. They they need Johnny football on the field. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, I believe they play Alabama in week three, which is by far the biggest game of the entire college football season for anyone. It's, it's the most talked about game. It's at Texas A&M. Obviously, Johnny Manziel beat Alabama last year in Tuscaloosa. Yep. Yep. Nick Saban's got revenge on his mind. You know they're going to bring their A game. Huge, huge game, number one versus number six. That is week three. So wouldn't it be convenient to have a two-game suspension? And then, boom, he's there for he's there for the Alabama game. I'm just saying. I mean – I don't think that's the case. I mean, if you talk, if you listen to what Mike said, I think that the suspension would actually be four games. But right. I'm just kind of, uh, you know, tongue in cheek there. That would be uh, kind of interesting if maybe the school self-imposed a two a two week thing or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the good news is is that the season starts three weeks from tonight. That's plenty of time, I would think, for this story to go in one direction or the other. But Saturday, August 31st. Texas A&M opens at home against Rice. Next game, Sam Houston State. Okay? Yeah. But Saturday, September 14th, Crimson Tide come to town, and that's the big one. Now, Todd, let's dive into this top 10 um, USA Today coaches poll for a minute here. Why don't you break down? Go, go 10 through 1 or 1 through 10. It's up to you. All right. Well, this is the USA Today coaches poll, which is the one that counts for one third of the formula used in the BCS standing. So this is kind of the one that matters, even though all polls are kind of a joke this time of year, in my view. All right. So number one, no surprise, Alabama. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Oregon, minus Chip Kelly. Number four, Stanford. Number five, Georgia. Number six, Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M. Number seven, Jadavian Clowney's South Carolina Gamecocks. Number eight, Clemson, number nine, Louisville, number 10, the Florida Gators. Oh, interesting. So you got the top 10. Five of those teams, five of the top 10 are from the SEC, right? Yeah. Alabama's won three of the last four national titles. And here they are, number one in the country again. Oh, by the way, they return their veteran quarterback, right? They lose a lot Mm -hmm. of talent to the NFL, sure, but they lose talent to the NFL every single year. Uh, they return the trifecta of A.J. McCarron, a quarterback. They return a superstar in the making and T.J. Yeldon, a running back. And they return uh, Amari Cooper, at wide receiver, one of the, the best young receivers in the entire country. So skill position-wise, they're all set. They're going to be right in the mix once again, going for four out of five. Todd, do you think Alabama, with three of the last four titles, do you think they're going to just you know dominate again this year? Well, yes, I do. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? I mean, they – you know, they do open the game, uh, the season against a tricky team in Virginia Tech, right? Virginia Tech isn't what they used to be, but that's a, you know, that's a formidable opener. Then they get a week off before they go to Texas A&M. 
So they have a week off to prepare for Johnny football. Not that they haven't been preparing for him the last six months. You know, Nick Saban, I, I tell you, whether Johnny football, if Johnny football plays, I still think Alabama's going to go in there and win. Hmm. I just think that they, they have a chip on their shoulder, and uh, I think they're going to blow past them. If you want to go down their schedule here, Bill, after that, Colorado State win. Ole Miss, mm-hmm. good team, but they get them at home, win. Yeah. Georgia State win. Yeah. At Kentucky win. Arkansas at home, new new head coach in Arkansas, win. Tennessee, whose program has gone in the toilet, win. Then yep. they got LSU on, on November 9th, but they're at home. They get LSU at home. I like their chances there. At okay. Mississippi State, win. Chattanooga, win. And then at <laughs> Auburn. Auburn's still down. They have a new head coach as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a win. So it's a two. It's really a two-game uh, season for them at Texas A&M in and week LSU. three, and then LSU at home. Then they have to win the SEC title game, which is you know always tough as well. Georgia but, or uh, South Carolina. I, you know, Alabama's going to roll through these games, man. I, sure. I can't see them losing more than one. How about Ohio State? Braxton Miller back in action. You got Urban Meyer there. They're number two this year. Yeah, they are. They went undefeated last year, but they had the sanctions, so they weren't right. eligible to play in the postseason. So the, right. the sanctions are over. Uh, they return, you know, a, a superstar dual threat in, Bra- in Braxton Miller, and you know the Big Ten is down as it's been. You know, we just talked about how great the SEC has been, winning the last seven national titles. Uh, the Big Ten, not so much. So Ohio State, uh, clearly the cream of the crop there in that in that conference, and. Um, they're another team. It's kind of hard to find a loss on their schedule until you get down to the final game of the year against Michigan. You know, mm-hmm. they—I mean—they play—they play Wisconsin this year at home, and Wisconsin has a new head coach. Their non-conference schedule is a joke. Um, I'm looking at their schedule right now, Bill. I just don't see them potentially losing to any of these guys. Maybe, maybe at Northwestern. That's a tricky team. It's a night game at Northwestern. Northwestern's a sneaky under the radar type team, borderline top 25 team. Uh, I think they're number 22 with the USA Today coaches poll right now. That's a sneaky game they have to worry about, but uh, I don't really see any other losses, man. It's going to come down to the, the last two weeks of the season when they go to Michigan, and then if they qualify for the Big Ten title game, that's another game that they're going to have to worry about too. All right, so we talked about Alabama. We talked about Ohio State, Texas A&M. Anyone on this list that's kind of flying under the radar or possibly anyone not on this list that you think can jump into this top 25 or top 10? I tell you, you know, uh, a team that's really interesting to me is TCU, the Horned Frogs at TCU. And they're going to have a chance to make a statement right out of the gate. They get LSU in week one in in the Jerry Dome down in Dallas. That should be cool. It's not really a home game for TCU. It's not really a home game for LSU. Both are going to bring lots of fans. There'll be more LSU fans there than, than TCU fans, you know. Sure. Um, but that's an interesting game, you know. There you got LSU, who's ranked number 13 versus TCU number 20. A great way for the TCU Horned Frogs to get some respectability right out of the gate. And now, you know, remember, TCU's in the Big 12. They're not in the small conference anymore. So they, right. they get to play Oklahoma and Texas and and Baylor and West Virginia and all those teams. So uh, if they can start out beating LSU, shooting up the polls, they got their quarterback back, Casey Pawhall, um, who missed some of last year due to some off-the-field incidents. He's back. They got a star running back who was injured last year back in the fold. They got a lot of guys kind of returning to action. They always have a tough defense. TCU's a team that might be a little underrated this year. We'll find out early in week one against LSU. And, Todd, you know, we haven't really talked about Oregon. That's kind of our, our adopted team here on Football Nation. With Chip Kelly gone, can we still expect 
that same explosive offense with uh, the Oregon Ducks? Yeah, Mark Helfrich, he's uh, the offensive coordinator there. He steps right in. They're not going to change a thing, Bill. Um, they return Marcus Mariota, who, and if you're listening out there, I was high on Colin Kaepernick five years ago <laughs> um, for Nevada. Mm-hmm. This guy is a he's a mirror image of Colin Kaepernick. He's tall and lanky. He's got a great arm. He's very accurate. He's probably more accurate than Kaepernick at this point in his career. Wow. And he can run it. He's probably he's if if, Ka- if Kaepernick is a a ten on a scale of one to ten running the ball, Mariota's probably a nine. He's not quite as explosive, but he's man, he's pretty. He looks the same man out there. So Mariota's back. They got the Black Mamba, the Anthony Thomas, who's very Tavon Austin like, um, coming back. They always have a stable of running backs. So or the defense looks tough. Oregon number three right now. I think they're going to be right there at the end of the year, man. All right, so just in a couple weeks away, August 29th, uh, this college football season kicks off, Todd. Give us some of the few marquee matchups that we're going to watch in week one. Well, the first one we just talked about was uh, TCU and LSU, yeah. right? That's a Saturday a Saturday night special, I believe. So that'll be kind of the, the, uh, the end of the weekend games. Now, the first games are on Thursday night, and here's one to keep an eye on, okay? Thursday night, August 29th, 6 o'clock on national TV, you're going to have North Carolina at South Carolina. Now, why mm-hmm. is this interesting? Well, there's a guy on South Carolina by the name of Jadavian Clowney who's the consensus number one NFL prospect who they said would have been number one this year, Bill, if he was allowed to leave school early. He would have been number one ahead of Eric Fisher, all these other guys we talked about earlier in the show. Everyone's going to want to watch that game. It's kind of a border state rivalry. Interesting game to watch right out of the gate. I'm pretty excited about that one. Uh, I mean, have you watched Jadavian Clowney? We all saw the hit last year, right? The big hit in the bowl game against Michigan? Sure. Yeah, so he's he's one to watch. That's a big one there. Uh, depending on what happens with Johnny Manziel, it sounds crazy, but Rice at Texas A&M, if they don't have Johnny Manziel in that first game, Rice returns 19 starters. they got a really dangerous offense. Wow. Uh, that's a tricky game if they don't have Johnny Manziel. Of course, if they don't have Johnny Manziel, they got bigger fish to fry right. than worrying about Rice anyway. 5.30 on Saturday, you got Alabama and Virginia Tech. We talked about that a little bit earlier. A test right out of the gate for the defending national champs. Virginia Tech, you know, had a disappointing year last year. Can they you know, salvage a, a nice season and get back to prominence? We shall see. So those are some of the games I'm looking forward to in the, in the opening weekend. Todd, probably the most talked about team in college football, whether you love them or whether you hate them, is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Last year we saw them in the national championship game – Big-time controversy with Manti Teo. What can we expect from the, the Fighting Irish this year? Well, you're going to expect, honestly, with Manti Teo leaving, that's the captain of their defense, their defense is going to be just as good this year, Bill. Their defensive so. linemen are out of this world, and they're all going to be in the NFL very soon. They didn't show it last year against Alabama. No, no, no. I'm not saying they're on Alabama's level. I, I hear you. But uh, their defense is going to be just fine. Okay, yeah. They don't okay. play Alabama this year, so they don't have to worry about it. Um, their defense isn't going to – I guess my point is this. People think – they think Manti Teo is gone. They think their defense is going to stumble. I don't think so. Their defense is going to be just fine. Okay. Offensively, another story. Um, Everett Golson, their returning quarterback, everyone was excited about him coming back for another year. He's not playing this year. Off the field issues, he's done. So they got to bring in Tommy Reese. And Tommy Reese was kind of that backup guy that would come in when Everett Golson was down. He hasn't shown us a whole lot. He's played a lot. He had some experience, but he's just nothing special, Bill. So I think offensively, they're going to fall a little short this year. They won a lot of close games last year. 
I think they're going to stumble a little bit this year. They'll still have a good season, 10-2, and two, maybe 9-3, and three, uh, but I don't see them being a top-five team like last year. All right, that'll wrap up our college football talk here on Football Nation. Coming up next, it's preseason time, Todd. There's six NFL preseason games tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the injuries that we've seen in training camp. We'll touch on some of the preseason games uh, tonight and the rest of the weekend. You'll find all that coming up right here on Football Nation Radio Network. Headlines, stats, fantasy previews, and more right here on Football Nation. Hey, this is Bill Enright from the Fantasy Football Champs. I want to take a quick minute to introduce you to our new daily fantasy football partners at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is a new way to play fantasy football. No more losing your best player and watching your season go down the drain. At DraftKings.com, you draft a new team every week and win huge cash prizes. Here's a true story. Last year, one guy won 100 grand in his very first football contest. $100,000 the first time he played. Sign up now with promo code CHAMPS and get a free contest entry once you deposit. Again, that's DraftKings.com. Promo code CHAMPS. Good luck. Win your fantasy league and your trophy too. It's FF Champs. FF Champs for you. News advice, rankings, and expert advice too. FF Champs is for you. FFChamps.com, ensuring you win from draft to playoffs. FFChamps.com, extraordinary results for fantasy football dominance. You know who wasn't surprised when the likes of Tom Kaepernick, Alfred Morris, Doug Martin, and RG3 took the NFL by storm last fall? The guys at CollegeFootballGeek.com. That's who. CollegeFootballGeek.com has been the nation's premier college fantasy football strategy and advice site since 2008. We're in the business of identifying fantasy gold at the college level. At collegefootballgeek.com, you can run mock drafts against the mighty CFG computer, customize your own fantasy cheat sheets, tap into our experts for advice, and keep up with the latest player news for all 124 schools. And the best part? It's free to subscribe. So whether you want to dominate your college fantasy football league or if you simply want to get an edge on your NFL fantasy leagues by identifying tomorrow's fantasy stars today, check out collegefootballgeek.com. Todd DeVries and Bill Enright bring you the latest trends from the NFL on Football Nation. All right, welcome back to Football Nation. Bill and Todd hanging out with you. It is now time to go back to the NFL for a little bit because, after all, Todd, we have six exciting, entertaining preseason action, week one of preseason games tonight to talk about. You know, people, the fans get a little upset about preseason because I, I don't think they feel they're getting their money's worth. But if you're really an NFL fan and you really want to know about your team, you want to see the rookies in action. You want to see your latest free agent acquisitions. You want to see those kind of camp battles, those position battles, who's going to get the starting gig or, or make the second team. Am I right about that? You're right. You're also crossing your fingers you don't see any injuries. 
That's very true. You know, when you when your favorite team's playing and you you, you know the quarterback's going to get one quarter of action or they're going to see you know two drives and then they're done. You're just like you just get through it. I don't care how well you play. Just get through the the quarter and get out of there. Do you hate the preseason? Do you're excited about the preseason? Give us a call right now eight five five. Four seven eight seven zero three zero. Hit us up on Twitter, FBall Nation. Let us know what your thoughts are on the preseason. And Todd, you mentioned the injuries, and already in training camp and off-season programs, mini camps, OTAs, we've seen a lot of injuries. Let's run through those real quick. You got to start it off with the first one of the season with San Francisco 49ers wide receiver Michael Crabtree going down with an Achilles injury. That was all the way back in May. Yeah, and, you know, that one, everyone was uh, looking at Crabtree. He kind of came into his own there uh, when Kaepernick took over at quarterback, and that's a big blow to the offense. You know, they're going to have to figure it out. They got Anquan Bolden uh, from the Ravens in the offseason, which certainly is going to help. You maybe look at Vernon Davis playing a bigger role. They drafted Quentin Patton, but he's been injured this preseason. Crabtree's a big loss for them, and uh, they're going to have to the, – the good news is, you know, and this this is the case for a lot of these injuries – at least it happened early in the offseason, so they had a, t- a chance to address it. All right, how about Percy Harvin's big acquisition for the C- Seattle Seahawks? He'll miss the first two or three months of the regular season now that he has to have hip surgery. Mm. Were you surprised when this happened? I wasn't. That I was surprised that he, that he needs surgery, and now all of a sudden he's going to be out for you know three months. Absolutely, I, I was surprised. It just seems like Percy Harvin, and again, you and I are fantasy guys, so we yeah. really monitor the injuries closely across the right. whole league. He's always hurt. He's always got a migraine or concussion or some sort of injury. You know, he's just—he's never a guy that you just—you just plug in there and you just know he's going to play the whole season. So this I don't is, know. It's like when the news broke, I, I was—I wasn't shocked. Todd, this is a guy that signed a big-time contract with the Seattle Seahawks this year, and he's never had over a thousand yards receiving in a single season. Now I know he does a lot with special teams and. And uh, lining up in the backfield, sure. but for a guy that's never reached a thousand yards, signs a big time contract like he did, and then here he is out for the first two or three months of the contract. That's a tough way to start if if you're Percy Harvin with the Seahawks. A real tough way to start, and they gave up quite a bit to get him too. Yeah, uh, they sure did. So yeah, tough one. But you know, Seattle didn't have him last year. They did just fine. He would have been a huge addition this year, and uh, obviously Seattle fans are hoping he's around for the stretch run there from uh, November, December on. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that. How about uh, Jeremy Macklin? Next one on our list here, wide receiver for the Eagles. He was in a contract year, Bill. A yep. lot of people had him having a big year in a contract year, and he blew out his uh, his knee, and he's lost for the whole year. Jeremy Macklin, Denario Alexander from the San Diego Chargers. Aurelius Ben, another one of the Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers. Joe Morgan from the New Orleans Saints all tore their ACL. They'll miss the entire season. All four of these injuries, Todd, happened really in the last 10 days. Three of them happened this week. Yeah, let's, let's add another guy to the list. How about tight end Dennis Pitta? Was expected to be one of Joe Flacco's primary targets this season. He had an excellent uh, breakout campaign in 2012, help him win the Super Bowl. He tore his ACL on the first day of Baltimore Ravens training camp. And, you know, I think the Ravens are in trouble. They traded away Anquan Bolden. Dennis Pitt is now lost for the season. Who is Joe Flacco going to throw to other than Torrey Smith and Ray Rice? We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, that's that's a big loss. I mean, Pitta, man, he came on so strong in their in their championship run there. Sure did. And uh, he just seemed like one of those guys that it started to hit his prime, and he's going to have a couple of years here where he was going to dominate. And now he's lost for the year. Big loss for the Ravens. Man, the Ravens have just lost pretty much everybody. 
except for Ray Rice and Joe Flacco. For the, yeah. the prominent names uh, on that team are all gone. Ray Lewis gone, Ed Reed gone, Pitt out for the year, and Quan Bolden gone. So uh, it's going to be an uh, interesting year for the Ravens. Now the next two players we want to discuss, if you play fantasy football, you'll want to listen up because Arian Foster and Jordy Nelson are, are common names in the world of fairy, uh, fantasy football. Obviously Foster, one of the best running backs in the league, a top three pick, a top overall pick for the last uh, three or four seasons. He hasn't taken part in OTAs, hasn't taken part in minicamp, is out so far in training camp, all because of a calf strain. Now, Foster had 391 uh, touches last year, 350 carries, 41 receptions. Do you think the Texans are just taking it easy with him, keeping him out of all this nonsense preseason stuff? I think so. If I had to go one way or the other on this, that's the way I'm leaning. Am I concerned? Sure, I'm concerned. But there's no reason. For a running back, why why put him in there? He's a proven running back. What's the point? I agree. What's I think to if you want to you want to keep him fresh as possible. You don't want him any, any wear and tear yeah, during you, August. You just said 391 touches in the regular season yep. last year. You know? That's huge. It, it, you can't have him get why, – why give him five, six, seven touches in a couple of these games – in the preseason, it's just he's got so much tread on those tires. They know that he's – I think we can agree that Arian Foster is is probably on the descent a little bit from his – Possibly. Super, I mean, you know, he's probably on the tail end of his prime, and you know you know he's going to take a, a downslide here soon. So why not preserve him as long as you can? Now, again, maybe there is more to this calf strain. Who knows? But I'm not too worried about it yet. A couple weeks from now, ask me again. I might have a different opinion. All right, how about Jordy Nelson from the Green Bay Packers? He'll have knee surgery to pay, to repair some kind of nerve damage. He's expected to be back week one, but he's going to miss the entire preseason now. Yeah, that's uh, that's alarming, <laughs> to say the least. Right? Especially when you see Greg Jennings go to Minnesota Vikings. Now yeah. Aaron Rodgers, he has James Jones, Randall Cobb, and really Jermichael Finley, and a mess in the backfield. Jordy Nelson was, was Aaron Rodgers' guy. Yeah. On another subject, you see Jermichael Finley throwing haymakers at practice yesterday? Yeah, that was great. Beautiful. He's your guy, right? I hate Jermichael Finley. In fantasy <laughs> football, I'm sure he's a you know cool guy in real life. But in fantasy football, I'll never draft him. Well, another Packer, uh, probably more noteworthy injury-wise than Jordy Nelson, who's expected to be back for September, is Brian um, Balaga, the left tackle, protecting the blind side for Aaron Rodgers out for the year, Bill. No quarterback has gotten sacked more than Aaron Rodgers in the last three years. Finally, I thought his offensive line was coming together. A big reason was Brian Beluga, who they drafted in the first round uh, two years ago. But now that he's out for the year, I, I, I don't feel bad for Aaron Rodgers because he just became the highest-paid NFL player, so he's got to earn that contract a little bit, and part of that is taking some sacks. But to have him, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, getting sacked so much, I don't think the Packers are doing a good enough job of protecting their most important investment. Well, the way Eddie Lacy looks in the preseason, maybe they can move him to the O-line. Oh, boy, did he look terrible in that picture. <laughs> you know what, though? He's performing well. Let's, let's, not, let's make sure we get the right information. He's performing well, and he's probably going to be the starting running back. But he looks like an O-lineman. He looks like a house. You talk about a Weight Watchers commercial and waiting in action, that's it right there. You take that picture, the before picture, and you put it up with something that in the middle of the season, and I'm telling you, you make, Weight Watchers can make a lot of money, and, and they should really pay me for coming up with the idea. There you go. What are some other uh, offensive linemen that are uh, injured for the year? Mike Johnson from the Atlanta Falcons. You know, to begin the season, the Falcons 
were not very good at run blocking, but now that they lost their right tackle, I think they're going to be even worse. Luckily for them, they're a pass-first team, but we'll see how this affects Steven Jackson. We don't know how long Mike, Jack- Mike Johnson's going to be out. Uh, right now they're just lift- listing him as, uh, indefinitely, but we'll see what happens. And also uh, Dan Copen from the, from the Denver Broncos, that, that's Peyton Manning's uh, center right there, and he's out for the year. So we had three high-powered offenses with three great quarterbacks in the Green Bay Packers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Denver Broncos all lose a starting member of their offensive line. You know, you, you can't underestimate the injuries to the O-line. I know it's not a powerhouse team last year, but one thing that contributed to the Eagles' downfall was not having Jason Peters, the the, the rock of their line last year. He missed the sure. whole season. That didn't help matters much. Now, these other teams we just mentioned are in much better shape personnel-wise than the Eagles were last year, but still, keep an eye on that. they gotta, they got to uh, figure it out and protect Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Matt Ryan. All right, Todd, you know, we mentioned that there's a lot of preseason action tonight, and it, actually all weekend. Uh, every team is going to be in their first game of preseason action other than the Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys who played in the Hall of Fame game. So we're trying to make the preseason games as interesting as possible. And the way to do that is really look at the position battles. Who's battling out for that starting job? What do you say we start off with quarterbacks? We got an interesting one. The Philadelphia Eagles named Mike Vick the starter for this week, but they named Nick Foles the starter for next week. Who do you think wins this starting job? And we'll see both of them in action. I think Mike Vick will ultimately, if he's healthy, I think he'll start week one. Okay. I'll go with that. Now, Chip Kelly's not going to tell you that until the very last possible minute. Any fan out there that followed Chip Kelly at Oregon, he, he had quarterback battles at Oregon. He would wait till the, as long as possible to announce it. One year, he, he waited until the, the morning of the first game. <laughs> so I don't know that he could do that in the NFL because of you know the way that the news flows and everything. But uh, I think Vick will get his shot. I don't think Vick will last the season running in a Chip Kelly offense, but he'll be the first man up. Here, the next one I know a lot of fans have an opinion on, and we want to hear from you. 855-478-7030. Hit us up on Twitter, FBall Nation. That's the situation with the New York Jets. Mark Sanchez or Geno Smith, let us know, people. Who do you think is going to win that battle? 855-478-7030. You can email us, radio, at footballnation.com. What do you think, Ty? Do you think it's going to be the rookie, Geno Smith, the second-round pick, or do you think it's going to be the incumbent, the veteran, and I'm doing that with air quotes. You can't see me, obviously, because we're on radio. But the veteran, Mark Sanchez, who has the upper arm in that one? Ugh. See? (laughs) None of the above? (laughs) I don't know. I guess the butt fumbler is going to get the first crack. Yeah, that's what, the, that's what the Jets announced. You know, this is an interesting situation for a few reasons. One, Rex Ryan knows this is really his last season with the Jets as the head coach. Why did coach. they bring Rex Ryan back? What's the point? Well, that, that's what I'm going to say. Like, you know, he really needs to win this year. Otherwise, he's gone. They fired their GM, Mike Tannenbaum, and they hired John Erzdick. And Erzdick really wants Geno Smith to be the starter, but I think Rex Ryan's going with Mark Sanchez probably because he feels like Sanchez can give him the best opportunity to win, but obviously the GM wants his guy under center to get the, to get the experience. It's such a mess over there with the New York Jets. You, you should expect nothing less than a train wreck this season from gangrene. I mean, that's the difference. We talk about the Eagles and the Jets here, right? At least with the Eagles, they started all over. Front office, brand new. Head coach, brand new. And Clean the inherits, house. 
Yeah, he inherits a, a messy quarterback situation, and he'll do the best with what he's got, but you know he's going to build for the future. With here, the Jets are just prolonging the inevitable. Like, why are you keeping Rex Ryan around? Like, it makes no why sense. Why didn't you hire a new coach and then just go with Geno Smith and just take your lumps this year, go 3-13 and 13 or whatever they're going to go with with Geno Smith, but at least see what you got. Now you got you got this... Like you just said, you got the you know the quarter, the coach and the GM pulling different directions. Makes no sense to me. A couple more quarterback battles to get here. How about EJ Manuel, the first quarterback taken in the 2013 NFL draft? He's competing with Kevin Cobb, who both of us agree might be one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Kevin Cobb can't. He's Mr. Glass. Didn't he? He tripped over like a rubber mat and hurt his knee last week. He was running, I guess, from field one field to the other field, and it was a little wet. And he f- slipped on some kind of rubber, yeah, rubber mat that was laying on the ground, and he kind of like sprained his knee or, or you know, strained his knee. Remember when the Eagles had Kevin Cobb? They were grooming him, grooming him to be, you know, McNabb's replacement, right? Yeah. They, tr- they shockingly trade McNabb within the division, and Kevin Cobb's the man. First half of his first game as a starter for the Eagles against the concussed. Packers, concussed, done. Mike Vick comes in, has a huge year, saves the day. You know, Cobb just can't – he just can't stay healthy. No, he can't. He certainly can't. Speaking and E.J. Manuel, uh, you know, again, yeah. if you're a Patriots fan, by the way, I mean, we're, we just blasted the Jets, and we're, I'm about to blast the Bills here. Your division is a cakewalk with these two teams. I mean, E.J. Manuel uh, and Geno Smith, they're not going to remind you of Andrew Luck and RG3 or Russell Wilson from last year's rookie crap. Certainly uh, not. Class. Not at all. And E.J. Manuel, I'm sorry, he came from Florida State, very inconsistent. He was always that guy, Bill, we were waiting for him to take the next step. He never right. took the next step. He was wildly inconsistent in college. I don't understand why he's a first-round draft pick. Now you put him in a cold-weather climate up there in Buffalo. Uh, I don't see it, man. So who wins this battle? Uh, maybe or at least they have a new head coach and a new rookie quarterback so they can just go with the rookie and see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they do that. Could be. All I know is that the Buffalo Bills plan on giving C.J. Spiller the ball a ton this year. So as long as the quarterback can hand off the ball to C.J. Spiller, I'm happy because that's my dynasty league guy right there. There you go. Well, here's another messy situation, which is going nowhere. How about the Jags quarterback situation? Blaine Gabbert versus Chad Henney. Yeah, this is really terrible because Blaine Gabbert was taken in the first round a few years ago. Uh, I believe it was the eighth overall pick. Cam Newton went one. Jake Locker went uh, at seven. Blaine Gabbert was in there. Christian Ponder was in there. Meanwhile, Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick both lasted to the second round. Both of them are much better quarterbacks than this bozo Blaine Gabbert. He's another guy that can't stay healthy. He, he looks like he's so afraid. He's got that deer-in-the-headlights look. Chad Henney came in last year and actually looked pretty decent. He had that monster game against the Houston Texans last year. Justin Blackman and Cecil Shorts, two very capable wide receivers. They got Maurice Jones-Drew. I don't know why they're still trying to, you know, uh, go with the Blaine Gabbard experiment. It's not working out. No, it's not. New head coach there. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, uh, the Jags is just another team that's just going nowhere. All right, the last quarterback battle here, another quarterback battle going nowhere, in my view, is the Raiders. Matt Flynn, Terrell Pryor. You know, the Raiders might be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. It wouldn't surprise me if, if they only get to three or four wins. And the, the main reason is because of the quarterback. You know, Matt Flynn was a guy that left the Green Bay Packers, was supposed to start for the Seattle Seahawks, got a big contract from them. Yep. And then, boom, Russell Wilson came into camp and took over that starting job, and we all we all know how that finished. So now Matt Flynn is with the Oakland Raiders. He's competing against Terrell Pryor 
And who's the quarterback from Arkansas they drafted? Tyler, Tyler Wilson. Wilson? Tyler Wilson looks terrible in, in uh, camp. So, you know, Matt Flynn will probably be, uh, become that starter, but who the hell is he going to pass to? He's got no one over there. Darius Hayward Bay left. Darren McFadden's always injured. Brandon Myers had 79 receptions last year. He's now with the New York Giants. So for Matt Flynn to come in as a starting job, I feel bad for him because he's, he's got no weapons on that team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just we just listed five teams here, Bill. Who of those five teams, of all the quarterbacks we just mentioned in these battles, fast forward two, three years from now, who's going to be the quarterback that's going to come out of this and be a, like a permanent starter in this league? Well, I, don't, I can't really say here's any I, of Let's them. just go down the list. In my view, Mike Vick, no. I'm gonna Obviously not okay, Vick. Two years down the line, okay? Vick, right. no. Foles, no. Sanchez, no. Geno Smith, question mark. Cobb, no. E.J. Manuel, question mark. Gabbert, no. Henny, maybe. No. Maybe as no. a backup somewhere. I don't know. Maybe. Matt Flynn, no. Pryor, no. Yeah, this is pretty rough, man. That's a bad list. That was some poor planning on on the – I mean, I get, you got to go with the two part. rookies, right? Gino and EJ are the two. You hope yeah. one of them we'll give them know, a chance. Pans right. out, right? We'll so give them a the, that's the answer, I guess. But these other guys are just terrible. So these are these are teams in in rough situations. Let's let's switch over to the running back battles, Bill. I think the one that I know fantasy players are keeping a close eye on is in Denver, where you have Ronnie Hillman, the second year man out of San Diego State, and Monte Ball, the rookie from Wisconsin. Now, this is, I think, a 1A and a 1B situation here, Todd. I think it's going to be a running back by committee all season long. I can't see either of them just running away with the starting gig. Because remember, running the football is not important in Denver. It's protecting Peyton Manning because that's the most important player on the team. He's going to be passing a ton this year. So running may not matter as much as pass blocking. And we'll see who does the better job of that. I may give the edge to Ronnie Hillman only because he was in that system last year and Monte Ball's the rookie. But from what I hear at a Denver camp, it's really a very close battle that I think I don't think there's going to be one true starter. I think it's going to be a committee situation for the Broncos running backs. Yeah, and it's not a bad situation to be in. Forget fantasy for a bit, but these right. are two young, promising running backs. Hillman was one of my favorite sleeper running backs coming out of the draft last year. He's a very versatile guy. He was set to break all of Marshall Falk's records at San Diego State. The problem was he came out after his sophomore year. He only played right. two years. He had a loophole in the NCAA rules allowed him to do that. So I like Hillman. Versatile guy. Monte Ball, is he's got a nose for the goal line. Obviously at Wisconsin, he tied Barry Sanders' touchdown record for most touchdowns in one season. 39 yep. touchdowns a couple years ago, Bill. Crazy. So the guy knows how to get into the end zone. So from a pure football standpoint, this is an exciting backfield to go with a potent passing game. Uh, as long as, you know, the injury to uh, Dan Kopp in the center doesn't, you know, hamper them too much, you got to like what Denver's doing. All right, so we mentioned Monte Ball, a rookie running back. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers rookie running back, Le'Veon Bell out of Michigan State? He's competing with Isaac Redman and Jonathan Dwyer. But, Todd, i got to be honest with you, I think this one is Le'Veon Bell's job to lose already. Perfect fit in Pittsburgh. He reminds a lot of people of the bigger power backs of, of yesteryear and Steelers lore. Uh, you know, he was a pure workhorse for Michigan State. The issue with with uh, Le'Veon Bell, Bill, at Michigan State was he would look fantastic the first half of the year, but then he would run out of gas in the, the stretch. So keep an eye on that. If Pittsburgh feeds him the ball too much, can he survive a 16-game season and be just as productive in December as he was in September? That's my question for Le'Veon Bell. All right, how about this pick, uh, the Green Bay Packers situation? 
We all know that they have a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, but they have two rookie running backs competing for that starting job. I'm already forgetting James Starks and the John Harris and Alex Green and and John Kuhn. I really think it's between these two rookies, Eddie Lacy and Jonathan Franklin. Todd, we know Franklin is pretty versatile pass-catching back. Eddie Lacy not really known for that. I think Franklin would be the better fit for this offense. You can certainly argue that, Bill. I think right now, though, it looks like it's the other way around. It looks like Fat Man Lacy. Yeah, I mean it's early, we're only a couple days into you know a week into uh, camp, so a lot can happen. This is one that's gonna you're gonna have to keep a close eye on during the preseason. But right now, it seems like Lacy's got the edge as far as the starting running backs concerned. And again, fantasy wise, you know he's gonna he's a big boy. He's gonna be getting the goal line carries. I'll tell you, the next one that we're gonna discuss is the St. Louis Rams, and I do not have a good feel for who's going to win this job. And to be honest with you, I don't think Jeff Fisher has a good feel for who's going to win this starting job. It's between Isaiah Pete and Daryl Richardson. You may want to throw in rookie running back Zach Stacy as well, but Isaiah Pete's suspended for the first game of the season. So we know Richardson's the week one starter at least, Right. but we don't know if that's going to be the case all season long. Yeah, I don't think you're going to, you know, I don't think there's going to be a star out of this <laughs> at the running back position for the Rams anyway, no matter you know who you who you plug in there. Uh, Zach Stacy was a nice, productive back in college, but very unspectacular. I guess is mm-hmm. a backhanded compliment for him. Yeah. yeah. No, Richardson. You know, he's a, a sleeper. A couple of years ago, got to keep an eye on. So, I'm not thrilled with any of these guys. This is this is not nearly as exciting as say the Broncos, who have, in my opinion, two very very strong prospects. Right. I think you kind of got three average guys here. All right, how about the situation down in New Orleans with the Saints? Now, we know Darren Sproles is the PPR machine, for those of you who play fantasy. He's the guy that catches all the passes. But how about the person that's going to run in between the tackles? How about the running back that is going to have the goal line situation? That's really between Mark Ingram and Pierre Thomas. Everything coming out of Saints camp is saying Ingram is healthy for the first time in his pro career, and he's going to run away with the starting job. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, it's been a lot of uh, committee for the Saints at the running back position the last couple of years, right? Yeah. So if they're saying England looks good, we'll, we'll watch it. Uh, Pierre Thomas, he's been hanging around forever, right? <laughs> Pierre Thomas isn't going to be a guy that's going to be uh, blow you away with a 1,500-yard season or anything. So if they say Mark Ingram's finally healthy for the first time, you know, since he was a Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama, then we'll just have to wait and see. We'll be keeping a close eye on him in the preseason games. All right, so those are the top running back battles. We'll just speed through the next group here, as I don't think they're really that, uh, really that competitive. Rashad Mendenhall should win the job for the Arizona Cardinals. David Wilson and Andre Brown are both going to be kind of uh, running back by committee for the New York Giants. The Jets situation is interesting, but the Jets are so awful that it doesn't matter if Chris Ivory or Bilal Powell or Joe McKnight wins that starting job. And the Indianapolis Colts, again, with Ahmad Bradshaw and Vic Ballard, I think that could be a running back by committee as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, what's Bradshaw's status uh, at the moment? I mean, He's, he's hurt, out. always hurt. His foot injuries, uh, you know, popping up here and there. So it could be Vic Ballard's job by, by, the, year end, by the year's end. Hmm. Well, you know, so these are the reasons why you watch preseason ball, right? right. Tonight you got the Ravens and Buccaneers. You got the Bengals and Falcons, Rams, Browns. Redskins, Titans, the one I'm most looking forward to is the Broncos, Niners, and then the Seahawks and Chargers. So that's what you got going on tonight, Thursday night, August 8th. Uh, you know, is there anything you're looking forward to tonight? I mean, are we going to see Peyton Manning at all in that, no. in that Broncos, You might see Niners it for one game? series. 
One series. And, and he may hand the ball off three straight times and then punt it or score or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The one I'm right. looking forward to is the Bengals-Falcons because I, I'm a big fan of HBO's Hard Knocks. So we'll look at this game tonight, and then we'll kind of see like the behind-the-scenes stuff on next week's episode. I'm excited for that one. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And there's a lot of you know young, exciting players on the Bengals. If they get a little time, I'm looking forward to seeing Giovanni Bernard at running back. Absolutely. You know, Mohamed Sanu, a nice young wide receiver there. So they got sure. some youth, youth to look at. Uh, how about Tyler Eifert at tight end, too? Absolutely, to go along with Jermaine Gresham, who if you looked on the first episode of Hard Knocks, he kind of had his way with Geno Atkins. I was a little bit surprised about that. <laughs> you love Hard Knocks. It's my favorite show during the summer. It really is. I don't watch reality TV. Hard Knocks is the only kind of reality TV so that going, I watch. Yeah. Going back over the years, what's your favorite season of Hard Knocks? I don't know if I have a favorite. I think all of them have been so different. How about and the they... Dallas year? The Dallas no, year. That's definitely not my favorite season. No? No. Never <laughs> Pac-Man Jones? Yeah, well, Pac-Man Jones has been on Hard Knocks like three times now. <laughs> yeah, he has. I like um, the Dallas one. The Dallas season was my favorite. Yeah, the Jets one was very entertaining only because we saw how much of a collapse they would become over the next couple seasons. Revis uh, Island, Island that was born during that show, right? Right, right. And I think uh, the Miami Dolphins season last year was very entertaining uh, with Jeff Ireland and uh, Joe Philbin kind of uh, sitting down, Chad Johnson telling him to get his life together. I think Hard Knocks is always good. It develops a lot of stories. You tend to root for some of these undrafted players and hope they make the team. I, I think it's a good – Good, really good show. So, last question for you. Okay, yeah. so you know we got the Bengals. So far, so good. Pretty entertaining. But if you could have picked one team to have Hard Knocks cover this season, this preseason, who would it have been? If you were in charge, all access. Who would I pick to be on Hard Knocks this year? Yeah, who would you have picked instead of the Bengals? If you had one choice. I I really think. <laughs> I'm probably not going to get uh, respected for this answer, but I, I really think that the Denver Broncos would have been really cool to watch this year in, in training uh, camp. I know you're going to hate on that, but you have to think that seeing Peyton Manning on the sidelines with Wes Welker and Demarius Thomas, and they got Von Miller on defense, and I think John Fox would make a few appearances, and John Elway, I think that's that would be the most compelling storyline. I, I really think do. our producer Josh has the answer. Josh, who uh, you got? Oh, Patriots, of course. Oh, that's that's amazing. You got Tebow, you got Hernandez, all that good stuff. There's no way that Bill Belichick would have ever let any of that stuff. No, he, I said all access. It's the, that's the answer. Ding, 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 ding. It's the Patriots, of course. No. Tebow. Nope. What? I'm sorry, guys. It wouldn't have flown. It, w- it would not have been what you expected if the Patriots were on the on the show this year. Yeah, but we're in that. We're on the radio. We can speculate. It's it's you know it's this fantasy. If we're in a vacuum, if we're in a vacuum, and like Bill Belichick was like, hey, yeah, you guys can come on in. Yeah. Well, then yes, that would be the answer. That's what I said. That's that, oh, that's how right. I set it up. Okay. It's a no brainer. The Patriots. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Please, uh, Peyton Manning. I have I've had enough Peyton Manning. That new stupid commercial he's got. Yeah, Josh just made a good point. How about their drunken front office guys? That would have been cool. With the Broncos getting DUIs, like the cameras are following these guys. It could be like an episode of Cops on Hard Knocks. Like the Broncos, <laughs> they follow them leaving the building or leaving the bar wherever they were at, and then you know it shows them getting arrested. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, come on though. I mean, think about the Gronk. You can have a whole season on Gronk. No, you're right. I mean, if it was in a vacuum, yeah, you have to go with the Patriots. But Gronk, I just, Hernandez, it, 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 Tebow. It, yeah, right. That would have been fun. 
But in reality, I mean, Bill, Chel- Bill Belichick would never allow it. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, so what are we going to close the show with here, Bill? Our time listen, is up. Check out the rest of the preseason week, uh, weekend. It's week one for a lot of these teams. You'll see a lot of your team's rookies, a lot of the new faces on your team, and maybe some coaching changes. You know, I think the preseason gets a lot of flack from fans because you have to pay full price for the tickets, which in my opinion is absurd. But if you really want to see some of these guys that are that are trying to make the roster or see your rookies in action, the preseason gives a great opportunity to do that. Agreed. And plus, Agreed. football's back. Like, get excited just about, about being football, being back on TV, being back in action, being able to go to the stadium with your family and, and, and take in some games. That's fun, you know? That's the part of the summer that I like about August. I, I hear you. And, uh, you know, the articles are flowing into Football Nation. They sure are. If you're are. an aspiring writer, Bill, or if you just want to have a voice, of the, the voice of the fan for your favorite team, college or pro, sign up at Football Nation. You know, you can uh, write any type of article you want. We're covering the preseason. We're covering Johnny Football, Bill. I know you, you can't get enough Johnny Football. Love him. Sign up. Sign up today, footballnation.com. Become uh, one of our newest writers and uh, – this is the time of year, man. We we're getting more signups this month than I can remember. It's it's uh it's hard to keep up with all the applications we have coming in. That's what we love about football season. It's always busy at footballnation.com. And Todd, we want to thank our two special guests today, Carrie Byrne from Cold Hard Football Facts and Mike Calabrese from College Football Geek. Our producer Josh did a tremendous job dealing with you and I for full two hours. I don't know how he does it, but he made it through it. Congratulations for doing that, Josh. I'm gonna go drink now. There you go with the with the Broncos VPs. <laughs> yeah, meet him at the bar. Yeah, sure. Uh, Todd, anything you want to uh, say before we wrap up the show? That's it, my friends. Next Tuesday, we're back on these airwaves. FFChamps.com radio, full fantasy preview. Tune in Tuesday, twelve to two Eastern. We are live every Tuesday and Thursday. Fantasy football champs on Tuesday. Football Nation on Thursday from. Noon to 2, as Todd said. But don't forget, you can find us on podcast. Find us on iTunes. Find us on footballnation.com. You can even find us on iHeartRadio. We appreciate you all chiming in today for the debut episode of Football Nation. And we look forward to being back on the airwaves on the Football Nation Radio Network next week. For Todd DeVries, I'm Bill Enright. Have fun this week in the preseason. Football, football, and more football at footballnation.com.